been seen with Farrah. I've never. can help and if you can find them maybe you can hire the a-team schlock boob tube welcome everybody to episode 33 of schlock or not where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of tv shows to include classic cult anthology series that have become woven into the fabric of the horror and sci-fi genre you can check out steve52.com for previous episodes and links to support the podcast I'm Doc. I'm here with our opposite Rod Serling non-smoker narrator, Steve, and now on to the show. What's going on, man? What's happening, man? How are you today? I am great. I had completely forgotten how much I like the original Twilight Zone. I haven't seen it in probably two decades, and just going back in and watching these two episodes made me want to go right back to episode one, season one, and blaze through them right from the beginning. I have a little bit of a confession. Uh, I had only seen the Twilight Zone movie. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I have no idea. I mean, I enjoy the ride, Tower of Terror at Disney, um, all the, uh, I don't know, the effects on that ride and whatnot. Um, one of the, our Twitter followers, uh, Sheena655321, I had seen her post um, synopsises of <clears throat> various Twilight Zone episodes, so it started really getting me interested in watching one of these. And so I actually reached out to her and asked her for some help, and so she was the one who provided us the information for this episode. So I really wanted to thank her for that because – um, that's what social media is all about, right? Like exposing people to new ideas and new things. Absolutely. Getting involved, uh, you know, having that contact with the people that are into the same type of stuff as you are. Yeah, man. So I really uh, want to thank her for that because I I thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Okay. So that, that was my question. Since you'd seen the movie, did the TV show hold up? I had seen it before, so I kind of knew what was going on. I but. was shocked, and I'll, I'll probably talk about it later, just the amount of a content they could put in a 24 minute episode. Yes. Yes. I, right. I, I felt the same way. Yep. And just with a slight twist, um, at the end of the episode, it always, um, spoiler alert. I knew one of, one of the, uh, twists, but still the way they pulled it off in just such a short time frame was nothing short of a miracle, man. It was amazing. Yeah. So you, are you with me that you'd go back and watch a bunch more of these? I'd watch, I would binge watch, this entire series. And right it's so now. easy because they're so quick. You know, it's, yeah, oh, yeah. So quick. it flew by. Yep. Flew by. Okay. So, so do you today wanna... we were talking about uh, the Twilight Zone episode. We're going to be talking about uh, 1961's The Invaders, which is season two, episode 15, which was uh, released on uh, January 27th, 1961. Black and white, everything. Mm. Tell you what, man. I love the black and white because it helped with the shadows and everything. Mm. Oh, yeah. I had some notes on the lighting for later, too. That was really cool. It's terrific, man. Yeah. So you want to do a uh, fake sponsor and get into it? Well, did you want to talk a little bit? Uh, obviously, there's no pick to payday, and I think me and you had differing opinions here. I only thought there was one person in to serve. Man, okay. that's, I only saw nope. one credit. Uh, did you? Well, you screwed that up, didn't you? I, did I? Is there more than one? <laughs> Let me see. You said to serve man. I'm sorry. Uh, the Invaders. The Invaders. Correct. Yeah, that's the first one we're doing here. I only saw one credit. Did you catch any more than that? Uh, yes. The director, Douglas Hayes, had a credit for portraying the astronaut voice. Oh, so the, okay. So on IMDb, I didn't look at the full cast list. You're right. The lady, <clears throat> Agnes Moorhead, who is the main character in To Serve Man, dude, she's been in some stuff. Did you look her up? Uh, again, we're talking about the Invaders episode. God 
the invaders, Agnes Morgan. So you, you totally <laughs> ruined the entire joke we were going to do twice, later. Twice. It'll still work, buddy. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> did you check her out at all, though? Yeah, she's in Dora from uh, Samantha's yeah, mom from yeah, I did. I, I did not know till I looked. And once I saw it, it was ridiculous to me that I didn't catch that. But she was also in uh, Citizen Kane, right? She was Mary Kane. Citizen Kane, yes. She was also in To Serve Man. Uh, yeah, no, no, she wasn't. That's the invaders. <laughs> <laughs> but that lady had like 100 plus uh, credits on IMDb. She's, she's a, a, genre, a television veteran, man. Yes. She was the goose in uh, Charlotte's Web, which is one of my all-time favorites as a kid. Um, I've never seen Citizen Kane either, which I'm kind of ashamed to say that as well. You know what? I haven't either. Maybe we should do that this year for one of our stuff we should have seen. Yeah, absolutely. She's just had an amazingly diverse film and TV career. They said, I guess, what was unique about this particular um, episode and why she was chosen for it, she was kind of known for being over the top, a lot of dialogue, um, you know, a, a very boisterous actress. So when they chose her for this, she had to do the entire episode without any dialogue, which is the exact opposite of what she was kind of known for. And I thought she did great. Did you enjoy her performance? I did. Yeah, me too. Even okay, though uh, it was overacted, uh, you kind of realize, like, for the time, that's what was required for this role. Well, and it kind of had to be in this episode uh, particular because there's a reason she doesn't talk, and we won't spoil it right now, but uh, there's no dialogue. There's very li- there's probably less than, what, besides <clears throat> Rod Serling, 20 words spoken in the whole episode? Yeah. yeah it's completely, uh, it's almost like a silent. Um, before we do the um, spoiler warning. It was directed by Douglas Hayes. Thank you. Um he did the uh, TV show Beretta with the alleged murderer Robert Blake, yeah. uh, Night Gallery, which is another Rod Serling anthology series, uh, The Adventure of Renton 10. Obviously, he was a uh, television veteran at the time. Um, Rod Serling's in it. Everybody knows his voice. Everybody can recognize him immediately. Um, he was the narrator and the host. His delivery is just something that um, they should take that audio and just stick it in a can and stick it in a museum forever. Right. right. He, uh, he co-wrote the episode with uh, Richard Matheson. Are you familiar with him? No. An award-winning genre author of, uh, he wrote, I am legend, which was, uh, eventually went on to uh, be remade with Will Smith. Obviously, um, last man on earth with Vincent price was based around. I am legend story, a mega man with, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Cold Dead Hands guy. What's his name? Omega Man. Let me check. I'll do I'll do some research as we speak. Omega Man. Charlton Heston. There we go. Yep. That was a kind of a remake of I Am Legend. Um, Richard Matheson also wrote Duel, which was the short story that eventually was made into a movie, which was directed by Steven Spielberg. He's just done a ton of timeless classics, man. Richard Matheson is the man. So uh, there's like one, two, three, four, maybe five, four people, maybe five um, credits in this whole episode, and all of them had some chops they all came with a a big huge background of of work right the score was written by jerry goldsmith who uh he's won an oscar for the the soundtrack or the score for the omen he was nominated for just piles of golden globes and emmys he's won a metric ton of them uh let's see he's done uh i guarantee you and and our listeners will know his music he did alien first blood total recall Mulan, Star Trek, Chinatown, Patton, L.A. Confidential, Planet of the Apes movies. Jeez. Um, I will just bow down to his body of work any day. That's awesome. The genre lover's wet dream, man. That's awesome. Amazing. And speaking yeah. of uh, Rod Serling's voice, we have uh, 
I have a fake sponsor, but we also have a fake sponsor from Rod Serling himself. Can I can I crack that off for you? Let's do that. This cigarette, Chesterfield King, gives all the advantages of extra length and much more. The great taste of 21 vintage tobaccos grown mild, aged mild, and blended mild. No wonder they satisfy so completely. Silky, silky smooth, isn't it, man? Man, his voice is just the, the staccato uh, tempo of his delivery. Wow. Yeah, that, that smoker's voice can do you can do harm and can do some good, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's not all just the tone, man. He's got a delivery too. It really brings it. Yeah, he does. He he pops out not not like a Christopher Walken, but he does have that little pause he does right before he clips clips into the next little uh, phrase. And I like the way he does it. It works really good. I have more cuts. Maybe of him we should take a lesson a lesson from these guys. So. We, our voices could be more enjoyable too. Less like listening. less like the Swedish chef and more like Rod Serling. Is that our goal? <laughs> exactly right. All, All right, right. What's your fake sponsor? Uh, fake sponsor. I got Dapper Dan making old timey hair look great for the decades. Exactly. Did you catch? Did you catch all the? That's mostly How much for uh, pomade. Did he have to put in that thing? To not only him. That beast? It, the next one is like all over the place. That great, that perfect shine with that perfect part and the little wave in the front. Man, it's awesome, mm-hmm. dude. Sure, right. I'm going to do a little acting for mine, okay? Okay. See, let me get away from the mic here. Uh, This episode of Schlock or Not is brought to you by Canimate Canned Meat. Canned Meat is people! We got to stop them somehow! It's people! Canimate? Canimate? (laughs) That's good, man. Not bad. I know. I guess that would have ruined our our twist at the end anyway. That's all right. So, anyway. These old schlockernaut boys are going to be diving deep into a pond here in Hazard County. This show is going to be spoiled worse than the eggs in Uncle Jesse's sack. All right, man. Well, this uh, episode opens with an intro that uh, brings back instant nostalgia. Uh, Everyone's going to know it when they hear it. Um, Even if you've never watched the show, if you've ridden the Tower of Terror at Disneyland or Disney World... You're going to know this. Do you have a, a clip of it, man? I sure do. Here you go. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. I couldn't imagine seeing that as a young child in the 60s, how terrifying that would have been. It's, it's creepy now. The show in general, like just the twists and everything about the show, it's, I, this was so far ahead of its time. I don't even know if they did stuff like this before The Twilight Zone, the way they put these shows together with uh, the weird endings and stuff. It was amazing. Right. You're and, right. And I clipped that whole thing because so, his voice is great and it's so short and sweet. It doesn't have the big drawn-out intro that a lot of TV shows have today where – you might Don't waste up, any time, right? You might you might end up fast-forwarding through a minute and a half a song to get to the show you want to watch, especially on HBO. They're notorious for that, right? Have, like, huge... The fall Guy, all yeah. those, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that, I thought it was great. I like it. Trust me nuts on Hulu that they still have the intros on the shows, too. Is that even with the paid thing? Do you pay for the, uh, yeah. the commercial? Yeah, commercial-free, but yeah. I still get the intro to the show. Like, okay. If I'm watching season eight, uh, episode 27 of... A show they should know that i know what i'm watching and i don't need the intro anymore, <laughs> right. Right? i guess Probably. so people are listening to episode 33 of schlock or not they're probably like can you cut that whole 
Yeah, you know, hunk of crap out. We don't of need your intro boxes. either, jerks. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm just gonna shut up now because I'm a. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rod then lets us know that we are in uh, one of the out of the way places. He calls it right. It's a uh, dying, cruel world that we're in, and it looks like uh, the Nevada desert. Yeah, it's a shack out in the middle of nowhere. A farmhouse, he called it. I called it a shanty yeah. or a shack as well. You know what? I took that cut because since there's no dialogue, I took his intro and his outro. Did you want it? Sure. Okay. Go ahead. This is one of the out-of-the-way places. The unvisited places. Bleak, wasted, dying. This is a farmhouse. Handmade, crude. A house without electricity or gas. A house untouched by progress. This is the woman who lives in the house. A woman who's been alone for many years. A strong, simple woman whose only problem up until this moment has been that of acquiring enough food to eat. A woman about to face terror, which is, even now, coming at her from the Twilight Zone. That's so sweet, I, dude. Yeah, and what I found interesting about that, too, is um, that first half of the clip was him. It just showed the, the farmhouse in the distance. It was dusk. It was turning night. Um and he was doing the narration. Then he walks into frame and Agnes Moorhead uh, playing the woman. That's all she's credited as. The woman is in the kitchen in an open window behind him preparing food. And I think it was like a potato soup or something, cutting potatoes. <clears throat> but he literally walks in. So imagine you have this like 30s, 40s, dusty shanty shack. And he walks in with his suit and tie, smoking a Chesterfield. <laughs> Smooth Chesterfield. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't really see that too much anymore. It's on television, but you still have it like it's a play, like you're watching a play, right? Yeah, and I didn't remember that at all. I did once I saw it, but uh, thinking back, he breaks the fourth wall, I think, in every episode. I think he does that. That's part of the show. And I like it. His voice, the writing and the delivery that he has is top-notch, just it's amazing. Yeah. And I like that, that the way they do it. And I usually don't like when they do that to the audience, but the way he does it is really cool. Cause it sets it up almost like you said, like a play or some type of, um, he's talking screen. directly to you too, not yep. to an audience, but he's talking to you. Yep. Really cool. Nothing you don't see either is, um, he's not a character on the show. He's the narrator. Um, kind of like our host. So you don't see a lot of that, you know, like I couldn't imagine, um, you know, Howard Stern on America's Got Talent or whatever the hosts name are sitting there smoking a Chesterfield right. while they're judging, right? Right. You don't see these these people smoking unless it's part of the character they're portraying. Um, actors don't just come on TV and just smoke right. during an interview or anything, even though some of them do. So that's a uh, era that's bygone. Yeah, you don't you don't cut into too many uh, live ch uh, Chesterfield cigarette commercials in the middle of a show anymore, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, um, the woman is cutting up potatoes, making like a potato soup. He says, you know, she's having trouble getting food, um, and man, haven't potatoes kept a lot of people alive? Dude, not only that, for a lady that is you know, trying to scrounge up something to eat and a simple lady, she had way too many pots and dishes in that pad. She had stacks of dishes. Well, that, that was pot of uh, potato stew is going to last her for a month because it was enormous. It was like you, a, just, you see a the vat. stack of plates and stuff on the table? Yeah. There was like 17 plates stacked up on the table to be washed. There was more 
plates in there than like uh, the sleepaway camp mess hall. It was <laughs> just stacks and stacks of plates. And I was thinking like, she lives alone. She's in the middle of nowhere. She barely has any food. Where the hell is she getting all these dirty plates from? Maybe sell some of the plates and go out and get some food at the grocery store or whatnot. <laughs> really, dude. So uh, that's when you start. To, I started to kind of notice, and that's why I looked it up. Goldsmith's score is just, it's classically haunting, man. It's killing it. Um, and I noticed that the camera kind of lingered on her mundane, lonely existence um, a little bit longer than it should, but they're building up the tension. This right. is a slow burn episode. This isn't a just give it to you right away. You're right. gonna you're gonna work for this one. I agree, and I think it works perfectly. And did you notice though that one piece of potato would not go down in her her mouth? No, I would, didn't. She had it like sticking out of her mouth for like a good twenty seconds. I was like, is she ever gonna swallow that? Was, or it she a raw, just gonna... was she eating a slice of raw potato? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> God. <laughs> let, me, let, let me guess. That's not, not phobia. I, I'm it? not okay with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather used to eat them all the time. Literally, he'd sit in his couch watching uh, the news. And he had a, a knife, and he would just cut pieces of potato oh off. Oh, my God. That's he crazy. gave me one oh. one time, and I tried it, and I was like, no way. Not happening ever again. I don't even like when Lynn makes me, like, diced potatoes, and one of them didn't cook all the way. And when I bite <laughs> into that one, I'm like, <laughs> when I spit it out, I'm all grossed out. I think, you know what, though? I think that's a texture thing because I, I can't stand onions. Like, that's the food I hate the most is onions. And yeah. Javier, when we were kids, used to purposely grab, like, a, a white onion out of the refrigerator and take a bite into it like an apple. Just to freak me out. <laughs> just to gross you just out. Just to gross me out, man. Like if I got one little chip of a white onion in my Taco Bell burrito, you know, because sometimes it would be on the, they'd make the burrito on the the same place where they make all the tacos and some of the ingredients would get mixed around. It would just, yep. uh, you know, that gag reflex that you can't like, like, like I would instantly gag reflex the the onion and whatever beans is in my mouth right into my tray. God, you have no idea how happy I am to have this information in my <laughs> now. That, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. The things that are going to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So then you get this um, kind of a creepy sci-fi trill, which causes her great pain and discomfort. As soon as you start hearing that noise, she grabs her head instantly and starts uh, convulsing kind of. She's in extreme pain and actually falls to the floor. It knocks her to the floor. And almost simultaneously, like, debris uh, falls down on her like maybe something hit the roof of the house, which oh, dust I'm going to make a confession here later. I thought she went up into an attic because I'm an idiot. That was the roof she was on, right? Yes. Okay. I am, And right before that, a couple things that I had noticed in that scene of cooking, which wasn't the potato somehow, there was the definite foreshadow on the knife, right? Like they lingered on that knife on the wall for like a good six seconds. Well, she, they want everybody to know that there are three knives on the wall. Right, right, right. Like they there lingered are three on that. Knives <laughs> there. So, so later, a, when some of them come up missing, you can say, aha, there should have been three, right? They're giving yeah, you that this one. This is not going well right. right now. And then the way she, when she was chopping, I noticed she was grimacing, bro. Like, did you see when she was chopping almost like she was mad at those potatoes, just like, <laughs> like snarling at them? And that is exactly the face Lynn makes when she has to cook for me. Like, she's just snarling <laughs> and cutting. You're like, nar, nar, nar. like, so mad when she's making stuff, dude. So I was she, already having fun. <laughs> um, uh, woman, Agnes Moorhead, I mean, if you've seen her in Bewitched, which I think all of us from our age group have, um, she's overacting. But imagine somebody tells you that you've got to fill 24 minutes of television and be entertaining. Not just go through the motions, but you have to be entertaining. People have to want to see what you're doing. Yes. So it was a, I'm sure it was a uh, 
conscious decision to overact like that. And I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, I, I'm 100% with you. I agree completely. Um, she just way oversold it. But if when you have Rod Serling kind of walking on, on the stage with you, it's a play you're projecting to the back of the audience. We've talked about it before. Right. So um, she hears a noise on the roof and climbs like a ladder, which is weird because there's like a ladder to get up on the roof and a ladder to get down in the basement. We'll see later, yeah. right? Were all houses equipped like that at the time? Trap doors everywhere. I kind of want that now. Yeah, could you imagine, like, oh, let me get up on the roof, and there's a ladder right in the middle of your kitchen. <laughs> you just climb up on the roof and hang <laughs> out there. there. Yeah. Maybe you get a little sunbathing in. His little porch, yeah. So uh, that's when I noticed, too, just with the the lantern she was carrying, um, the shadows, man, the, the way they lingered yes. and they altered with the manipulation of the lighting sources uh, was beautiful. It was beautifully shot. I agree completely. I, and I think open flames in those old wood houses had to be like one of the scariest things ever because she had dust, cobwebs, sawdust, everything's wood, and there's just flame, you know, on these little sconces and flame open flame man. everywhere. But I agree. We'll talk about later. I thought she was going to burn the whole damn house to the ground. When she knocked that, that box in the flame, I thought the same thing. Yeah. No, no, not that one. I'll talk about it later. Okay, though. cool. Yeah. Um, but so you're right. The lighting was amazing. What's was that? Great. The lighting was amazing. It was perfect. Yeah, man, it was cool because, like, you would see her uh, in, like, a stage production, like you would see it at a a play. When she takes, like, the the lantern from one room to the next, you would see as she walked into the the room in the background, it would light up when she walked in. And then she would walk from that room into the room into the foreground. And then the light would turn off in the back room and the light would – it was just perfectly timed, man. In in comparison, think of something like – a Beastmaster, okay? So in Beastmaster, when they're down in those uh, caves and catacombs, there might be a, a wall sconce with a, a flaming torch, right, to mm-hmm. to show that there's light there where there shouldn't be. But that light never changes in that hallway. It's obviously studio lit, right? The, the torch is more there. It's just a decoration or not to actually give light. In this, they actually made the light part of the of the scene. You know, there was the light was moving with her, and it was they. I don't even yes. know how they did it so well. It was amazing. Dude, that's just a. Uh... Movie magic, yeah. we'll say Hollywood magic. Just right? that attention to detail for this little twenty-four minute uh, yes. show, dude, was just yeah, it was great. I'm glad you noticed. You got an amazing writer, too. amazing, amazing director, amazing actress, and you better have some amazing lighting and amazing cinematography too, yeah. because you're going to make something special. Which is funny because Rod Serling said like he didn't think he really enjoyed this episode, but he didn't think most of the uh, the Twilight Zone episodes were that great. If yeah, you read some he, uh, of his quotes, he said this was his favorite of the uh, of episodes not written of outside written episodes, uh, written by outsiders. This was his right. favorite one, this episode. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think she found on the roof? Uh, pretty cool-looking UFO. I was pretty down with it. It's just slightly better than an Ed Wood variety, just slightly. <laughs> I, I have a, a strange, like, uh, there's some nostalgia or affinity for the old sci-fi with the old, you know, a UFO that looks like a disc, a flying saucer, and it's all metal and obviously, you know, built. I, I'm cool with it. It doesn't bother me a bit. I prefer those uh, more so than anything shown in the last 10 years because they're always like large globs that, that have like squares and weird angles and they just kind of float in the sky. I'm like, who would design a yeah. ship like that? Yeah. No, I'm cool with it, man. It, that just, it's, it's a, what is it? Not, not a set piece, but it, it's a device that takes me back to old timey sci-fi and I, I really like that stuff. Also, the uh, the just the sci-fi bleeps and bloops. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a loud spaceship. <laughs> and I love miniatures. You got to say that this spaceship that landed on her roof is the size of what, maybe like three 
four feet. It's a dinner table size. Yeah, there you go. So everybody knows we're not talking about a full size UFO. This is she towers over this thing. She literally like sticks her foot out and like as soon as she kicks it, it makes like a little buzzing noise. It's tiny. Yeah, real tiny. And then we get a cut for a commercial break. I caught that too. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Love that. So she's completely bewildered by this thing, which I think all of us would. Um, and then she sees this tiny little ramp drop down from the bottom of the spaceship. And did you see that sweet, amazing little shadow at the top of the ramp? Mm-hmm. Dude, I could not wait to see what was inside of that spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. On I that. really, I, I was. Come on, get out of the ship! What is, uh, dude? That little shadow of that little that dude. Excited too much over TV, man. You had the little shadow hanging out up in there. It was perfect because I, I got to say, I think that once they show the actual invaders, um, you know what I mean. It wasn't. It was. It was a toy, basically. You know, but that little shadow was awesome. Like that was that was so cool, man. We the get way another. They did that. We get another segment kind of like that a little bit later in the episode too, which was great because. Dude, they are teasing the hell out of us. Right. And we don't get a lot of that anymore. Normally, we see the monster immediately. Right. Or whatever the threat is, instantly. Sometimes they'll show it in the opening shot of the movie. People are impatient, man. If it's not fun right away, if the show's not good in the first 10 minutes, my wife will say, this sucks, turn it off. Like, there's no way, you know. I'm willing to work for it, man. Yeah. And I think I think there's a lot of us out there that are, because we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when she sees the ramp come down, she gets terrified and hides behind the, uh, the I said the attic door. See, I actually put it in my nose. The uh, the door that she opened to, to get on top of the roof. And around the corner from this door, a miniature little silver-suited alien shuffles out. Right, and it's, it's not done. I thought maybe they were going to do some tricks with uh, – Honey, I Shrunk the Kid style, right? Where it was a real size person no and they way. would they would green screen in no some way. like big stuff. But oh no, you got a straight up toy, like a, a wind it's up a dime UFO. Store wind up toy UFO. Yeah, <laughs> so I cool. hearted the heck out of that thing, though, man. <laughs> it I was did. Awesome, I hearted it so much. Yeah, I loved it too. It was just silly looking. Is this where she takes that sweet ass bowling shot at that dude with the lantern? No, 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 not yet. Okay. Well, I think so because first. Uh, I was totally shocked, but she kicked the hell out of that thing right down into the kitchen. Right, right. She boots it right down the trap door. (laughs) So now she's got, uh, then she discovers there's another one, right? There's another one upstairs on the roof and it's shooting at her. And at first I didn't know if it was doing any damage or not. Right. It's basically like a little uh, blinking light at the end of his arm or like a little ray gun or something. It was hard to tell. She finds it later. But it makes like weird sounds and she winces in pain and like grabs her shoulder. Right. right. But she's a tough woman. Notice I said woman and not your favorite word. Um, and she flings her lantern at it. And I thought for sure, like, oh, she just burned up. There, right, there's right. The there's there's fire number off. one. <laughs> I thought the same thing with that fire. But I wonder, you think that was a one take, man, because she nailed that thing perfectly. Like, right, perfectly. Did they show her fling it or did they... You know, fling it and then cut to the angle. Of no, no, the lantern. you get to see it's an underhand, like a like a woman's softball pitch, and she wings it at that little toy. It hits it directly in the chest, blasts it off the roof. It looked great, and I, I was just I'm gonna, was, was that the luckiest take ever? Did they have to do that like 35 times before she hit I'd it? I'd love to know? see a behind the scenes on yeah, that. It was awesome. Because I always love how they they have a, a situation like that, and it's either the actor took him two years to get it down because he had to do it a bazillion times, or he got it on the first take. Right. Yeah. What was the other one I was watching the other day where they were talking about 
Um, oh, um, Morgan Freeman throwing darts, I believe, in seven. Or throwing knives. Oh, yeah, he was throwing knives into to a dartboard or something. Anyway, they said these knives were total garbage, but he was able to figure out how to throw them into the wall or whatever, like immediately. So which everybody was shocked. They thought they were going to have to like CGI it in yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I love stuff like that too. Me too. Um, but now that she's seen two of them, she is extremely terrified, man. So she climbs back downstairs and uh, she finds the little alien gadget on the ground and she picks it up. Obviously, when the, the alien creature fell from the roof into the kitchen, it probably landed and dropped the gun. Uh, at first, I didn't really realize what I was seeing on her arms when right. she bent down to pick that up. Did right. you pick that up? Yeah, I actually have a confession to make about that part. So I wrote down on my notes that lady had some weird weird moles or warts on her arm because I really thought it was real. And then I crossed it out because I was like, why would I point that out? That's just a rude thing to point out. I got a lot of moles too. Like, I don't want to be pointing that shit out. And then I found out what they were and I wrote it back in my notes again. So I had like, I had it written down one time, crossed out and then written down a second time. When I first saw it, I thought um, maybe it was just makeup because it totally looks like makeup that they used to show like maybe how hard her life was, turmoil, blotches and skin imperfections and whatnot. Because I'm sure Agnes Moorhead without all that makeup because she looks dingy and dirty. I'm sure she's absolutely stunning, right? Um, but then I realized, oh, that thing shot her. That's what it's doing. Right. It's shooting like little laser beams or whatever at her. So I'm the opposite. I thought they were real. I thought that was like part of her arm in real life. And then I found out later, yeah, that were like they were blisters or wounds from the little the little ray gun. Right, yeah. And then I love she picks up the little ray gun off the ground and she inspects it. And by inspects it, I mean she shakes it violently and sniffs it with her nose. Right, she might as well bit it like a coin, right? Like to see <laughs> like if it's gold coin. or something. <laughs> like an old prospect. Which, if you think about it later, now it makes a little sense. Right. <laughs> it does, right? Right, because it would be completely foreign to her, right? She'd have no clue what it was. Plus, well, we'll wait. Yeah, okay. Okay. So it surges with light and noise and whatever. So, um, and then she's shocked by more loud beeping. And then, so she starts walking around her shack trying to find the source of it. Right. Right. Um, so she grabs a candle and an oar or, or whatever to churn, but I had no idea what that was. Big wooden, it was probably an oar, a boat oar. It looked like an oar to me, but it was a little skinnier. Yeah. Yeah. So she just goes around like she'd, She'd uh, look under the bed and swing the oar down there, and she'd look in the cupboard and swing her oar in there. So she was ready for fighting, man. She wasn't yeah. going to sit down and take this stuff. And did you know that that, um, those, that beeping was real Morse code? That meant nothing. That it meant complete gibberish, right? <laughs> but it was Morse code. Is. is it actual real Morse co- code? If it means nothing. Hmm. If it's just going beep, 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 well, beep, 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 and, and it means nothing. I'm going to say that back, what year was this again? 61? I'm going to say in 61, way before the internet, they probably said, no one's going to run to the library after seeing this show and look up a book on Morse code and try to translate it. Just put some beeps in, um, and that's what you got. Or the opposite, nobody even... No one gives a crap but me, so... No, 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 <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm thinking that they just put beeps. But people will pick up what they want to pick up, and they're like, man, that's Morse code. Oh, yeah? Well, let's, uh, let's decipher it and see what it says. And it basically says nothing. Yeah, but see, because it, it's just beeps and boops. If it wasn't Morse code, though, you wouldn't be able to translate it into direct letters. It would be, you know, I say this was translatable into gibberish. If if it was just sounds, you know, then you wouldn't translate that into anything. Okay, so. but my argument is, if I make beeps, beep 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 beep, 
you can still say it's Morse code and translate it because it's a series of beeps. If if they're in the right dots and dashes, if you do too many dashes or too many dots, it wouldn't be a letter. It would just be beeps. I'm just saying, I, I disagree. I bet you money that was not their intent to put Morse code. They're just beeping and booping. And people picked up on it and said, oh, I can translate that. Hmm. And it, I figured out the message. And guess what the message is? Nothing. Nothing. Well, my, my, my argument then, my uh, what do I say? I uh, respectfully disagree. I say that if it wasn't Morse code, you wouldn't be able to make exact letters out of it, out of every part of it. So we'll, we'll uh, people chime people in and see what you uh, think, right? Sounds <laughs> on EMS, right? Where like, oh, did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything but noise. Listen, it says help us. And when you listen to it, you're like, oh, my God, it did say help us. I totally right. heard it. Right, right, right. Yep. You get what you're uh, predisposed to getting out of it. Right. So we'll see. Um, so then at this point, she opens up the uh, the door to the outside, and she's greeted by this shiny little alien. Another toy, right. And then she gets even more laser blasts. Right. <laughs> it's totally ineffectual, though. They attack. You know what, though? That's not true. She attacked them first. I have that for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, at this point, she's not fighting back. She's just screeching and flailing wildly about, like totally freaking out. Yeah. Because I'm sure the little laser blast hurt her. Um, she could, you know, I'm thinking like you could literally grab that thing and throw it in the fire. Right. She was kicking it around. But still, I think it would be more the um, the oddity of what the hell is happening. I got a disc on my roof and these little things with loud noises and she's probably just freaking out. Yeah. And the searching scene, it is drawn out, dude. Like you said, it's a slow burn here. Like she, she goes through pretty much minutes of just searching around the house. It's a little drawn out, but it didn't bother me to the point of losing I was entertained interest. because right. yeah, literally, interest. there's always the um, the foreshadowing. You hear the tone. When she hears the tone, she starts to look around for the danger. She finds the danger. She gets attacked, reattacks back. And then she gets a break to, to come to her senses again. And then she'd hear the tone again, find the danger, get attacked or attack back. So right. there was definitely a formula here, but it kind of got you ready for and prepared for what was happening. For the payoff. Right. I did take a little cut of her searching sounds because she was making some odd grunts, oh, mm, would you call it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, here, I'll play I, it for I you. I know what you're going to play right now. Okay. Right? You're going to play me going, uh, hmm. No, that would that would have been funnier than what I got, though. Here. So that that's the only sound you get out of her that's it you get nothing but that i'm gonna say too if you close your eyes or you heard that coming from your teenage son's room you <laughs> bust in there right. to say hey are you watching the twilight zone right. is that are you watching agnes moorhead in 1961's twilight zone in there buddy <laughs> probably not <laughs> just close your eyes just close your eyes <laughs> but this, this in during the searching, um, that's when I really the cool effects of the lighting really hit me because as she's going from room to room and looking through under the under the bed or through the cabinet and she's carrying that little flame around, that's when you really notice that some of the room would be lit and some wouldn't as she moved that flame around. And I was just just mesmerized by it. It was awesome. And then when she lost the flame, sometimes the, the, the room would be right completely dark. Right. But with you know a little Hollywood lighting, so you can still see what's happening. No, no, yeah, this this was done just awesome. Like this wasn't done, you know, like the bad lighting in the sex scene from uh, the Sinful Dwarf. That was just bad lighting, right? Yeah, exactly. in, in this instance, if it was dark, it was meant to be dark. It was there for a purpose, and I liked it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's when she notices the knife is missing. Yes. 
And it was the one she had used to cut the potatoes. She remembers putting it back there. She stares at it for a good long time. We get the uh, the music, you know, pulsating and rising. And uh, so she backs away, and that's when a little uh, peewee extraterrestrial pops out of the basement hatch now. So they're coming from the top and the bottom uh-huh. and stabs her right in the leg. You get a little Chucky. I'd say that was Chucky-style knife work, would you say? No, I'm not going to say that was Chucky-style because this was before Chucky-style. Chucky-style is Twilight Zone-style. I like that. Okay. It's a little Twilight. They, <laughs> they stole it. Chucky is pulling some Invader shit in his movie. So in if you look at that knife and that toy, that would be like us carrying a knife that was 12 feet long, I guess. Like it would be like taller than your a body. Pole. Right, a lance or whatever. So, But it's still, I love miniatures. I love puppets. And I love the... I love that they stuck that knife on that toy and made it work. It it, it was great, man. I smiled that the whole time. That kind of creeps the shit out of me, man. Like the attacks coming from where you least expect it. Like all up right? on your all yeah. up on your Achilles tendon when you're walking oh. by. <laughs> like, um, pet cemetery when that that dude gets cr- cut right across the Achilles heel Ooh. when he's been over. Oh, Ooh. so gross! Oh, yeah. And then he cuts him right across the mouth. Oh, oh yeah, love it. Um, but then it was hilarious because it pounces on her as she rises in pain from being stabbed. And basically, I can just imagine like a member of the crew just flinging it on her. Because right. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Literally, it was coming out of the, the basement and she's writhing on the bed and it comes from like above her and like lands right on top of her. It comes from like a man's chest level from about six <laughs> feet away. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. But then, That's dude, she good. grabs that thing and just flicks it right across the room. And yeah. it sma- slams up against the wall. Smashes it. So we'll have to talk about that later, too. Okay. Because once we get the twist... Hmm. Right, right. So finally she grabs a hatchet. Thank goodness. Yeah. Should have done that in the first place. Because um, that works way better than a boat oar. And goes to walk outside. And, dude, that was terrific. Because she's got this weird door handle that has like a little little piece a little hole at the top of it so she goes to grab the door and open it and as she does a knife comes out and just cuts right down her hand right into her fingers dude oh man i love that stuff hand trauma so did you have a flashback to suspiria on this no i didn't do you now that i've said it i do okay absolutely that's the first thing i thought of and that also reminded me and i don't think we've talked about it on the show but me and you've talked about it before the term fingor fingor Fingor, because we we hit you just hit on it actually a couple sentences ago, but Fingor, it, I think it's a real term because I looked it up and you know there's like websites on it and stuff, but it always gets me when people when your hands get cut right fingers and hands that's just like sensitive, mm-hmm. and it's listed as a TV trope along with like I think it was eyes. Hold on, I wrote them down somewhere. Yeah, it was a TV trope along with eyes, teeth, tongues, throats, and genitalia. Those are like the extremely sensitive areas on your body, right? You just touched on it a little bit with Pet Cemetery, uh, but that is a that device works for me in movies. That always makes me cringe. You know, like, like you said, around the mouth. Or let, me, let me tell you, I, uh, I walked past, I was walking past my significant other earlier, and she was watching the Santa Clarita diet, which I haven't seen yet. Looks pretty interesting. But one character had bitten off another character's finger. Ooh. And so they're sitting there with the tip of their index finger missing, and the other person's chewing it up. Ooh. And I did not like that at all, man. I just, just something about, like, something chomping down on the tip of your finger and pulling mm-hmm. it off and the bone's still hanging out there. Oh, God. Did you remember that old uh, uh, The Hobbit cartoon from like the 70s with the cool hippie music? And I think yep. in that one, Gollum bites off uh, uh, Bilbo's finger towards the end. And that stuck with me 
like forever. Like I really liked that cartoon, but that scene freaked me out as a kid. Mm. It would just gross. Oh, that was Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. I don't remember. Whatever it was, it grossed me out, man. Like just that scene stuck with me till now. Oh, I don't like yeah. it, man. Thanks, teeth, thanks a lot for this, man. Because now you're making me expose phobias on the nice. show. Nice, <laughs> nice. Not just me, dude. <laughs> should, I'm telling you, we should start doing the show just laying down on the couch and talking, right, talking right. it out, <laughs> talking the whole thing out. Uh, teeth, though, but, teeth. Man, another, that was man. a really effective jump scare there. Oh, totally. Yeah, and it made my hand hurt and everything. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, she recoils, but instead of backing away now, she gets really, really pissed. She is not having this anymore. Yep. She's she's now into. Uh, she went from flight to or from flight to fight mode, right? Yeah, she's actively hunting the boogers now, man. She's going around the house searching for her. She finds uh, one under the blankets on her bed. So she kind of scoops up all the sheets off the bed with the little monster inside of it. Then she gets attacked from the window again. They're all over the place. I don't even know how many there are at this point, right? Yeah. Um, So it starts blasting her from the window. So she basically knocks it out the window. Uh, And then another effective jump scare, the knife comes out of the bed sheets that are in her hand. Yes, yeah, it cuts through. Wow. That was cool, That's creepy. Yeah, Yeah, totally creepy. I can just imagine how they're... She's got the knife in her hand, like pushing it out through the blanket underneath. I was thinking that too, because they do a focus on the on the bag. I didn't know if it was just some guy behind cutting through it, or if they actually had her manipulate the bag over the knife to cut, you know, to cut out. Just so she, but still, that just shows we're kind of nerdy. We're trying to figure out how the special effect is done, which means we're in the right place. That's right what now. I was gonna say. That shows how into it I was, right? Like, wow, that was yeah, cool. We're in the right place right now. Out. How did yeah. they do that? That was neat. Right. But uh, so she does what everybody would do. She just starts smashing against the table, right, <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, it was awesome. Which, it, it was really fun to watch because that's exactly what I'd do. You son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> Smash it on the table. So then once she thinks it's effectively knocked out, she places it in a box and throws it on the fire. And when I say pre- precariously, that sucker was just teetering there. Dude, that's where I thought fire number whatever, three or four was going to happen. Because, yeah, she just knocks over this. And that was a real boiling pot as far as I could tell. Like, they was that was real fire and real boiling water, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that was any kind of um, effect. I don't think of CGI fire. Yeah, it definitely was, but I mean, it wasn't like this dry is ice or anything. Yeah, I don't think they put like a aquarium bubbler in the bottom of the water because it looked like real fire. And she knocks over the pot with the water in it on the real fire and just places that box right on top, precariously on top. And I was like, oh, oh man. man, that is a fire waiting. No to way it should even stood up there. Right, right. right. <laughs> so uh, you know, it made me happy because the whole thing I'm thinking is like, just throw one of those suckers on the fire. She actually did it. Right. So I actually had like a feeling of, hey, I helped her. Right. Raw, raw, raw. Good job, Doc. Yeah. Great job. So uh, that's when the little silver dude blows a, a mouse side. Looked like a perfect Tom and Jerry mouse hole. Yeah. In the bottom of the floor or whatever. Or in the bottom of the door, and uh, like a little dog door, he, or a little cat door, right? Yeah, he enters in and just starts blasting her again with the little laser <laughs> little gun. Laser. And dude, oh my god, I wanted this so bad. She grabs the axe and she waits right over the top uh-huh. of the hole for him to stick his little body in. And all we get is the little flashlight outside going back and forth, like you know, the little dude on the other side is like, I don't nope. know if I should stick my head. In there <laughs> Not anymore. happening, right? <laughs> I've dude. already blown my, my element of surprise. and But, dude, it's literally like 30 seconds of her waiting with bated breath for that little dude to stick his head in and the, the flashlight on the outside. And you know what they look like now, so you know how ridiculous it would look with him outside with that flashlight. Just Dude, did you catch how much she drooled during that scene? Oh, my goodness. That's going to bring up was... my, one of my questions later. Okay, okay, cool. So cool, cool. Okay. okay. All right. 
All right. So um, the tension was really thick on that one, right? And then you get to like the pitter-patter of the footsteps outside. And I'm just like, come on, come inside, man. Do it. And it never happened because I got no payoff from that and no release. <laughs> come inside me. So come much. inside me and do it. I got no release is what I, I just heard. No <laughs> but Yuck. then, go ahead. Yeah, that was yucky. I'm going to cut that out and play it on another show for you. That was yucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So she hears more noises. Uh, she goes back upstairs to the roof. And that's when, just as the ship is like closing up his ramp, like, like all right, we've had enough. We're out. Of- <laughs> right, right. We've been we've been defeated thoroughly. Time to roll. <laughs> but what does she do? In a fit of rage, she just starts wildly bludgeoning the ship with her hatchet, smashing it to pieces. And I was cheering her like the whole time, dude, cheering for her. Yep. And that's when we realize things aren't as they seem. Yep. That's the. So I cannot say this enough. We put out a spoiler alert at the beginning of the show. If you don't want to be spoiled from this episode, just stop listening right now. Yeah. Right? It's 24 minutes long. It's totally worth watching. If you don't know the twists and the ends of these shows, don't listen to us. Ruin it for you. Yeah. So beware. Yeah. We're going to say what happens. Right. Okay. So nobody can ever state that we spoiled it for them. Yeah. Um, while she's smashing this, you can hear a male coughing from inside the UFO. And then he reports to Central Control that Grissom is dead. Yeah, they got Grissom. <laughs> Grissom, we're dead. No Grissom. counterattack. We're oh. under attack by oh, a no. giant bee. <laughs> Fun fact, though, uh, Gus Grissom was an actual name of a national. I I, yeah, I looked that up, too, yeah. Who died a, exactly six years later on Apollo 1 yeah. in a fire. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah, it's a bummer, yeah. yeah. So um, he also reports they're under attack from a... a Large giant or giants. Um, and she kind of seems a little bit surprised at what she's hearing and get, then gets pissed off again and starts hacking away at the ship right. all over again. And, and at that point, when, at that point, before you give it up, at that point, he did say counterattack. And I wanted to ask you, who attacked first? Was that a counterattack? That was a counterattack, now that you think of it. Was it? We'll get into it. Hang on. Okay. So she becomes exhausted because she literally is hacked away at this thing forever. And the ship powers down. You can hear it powering down. It's smoldering. Uh, the music becomes really, really ominous as the camera pans down to show the saucer's markings, which is the shock of the show. So turn around now if you don't want to hear it. Yep. Do you remember what it said? It said NASA. Oh, my God. Bum, bum, bum. No, it said uh, U.S. Air Force Space Probe Number 1 is yeah, what it said. I think and it didn't uh, in the thing they talk about NASA, though, with the little voiceover, the little guy. No. No? Oh, maybe I just wrote that down because I assumed it, but yeah, it's the U.S. So guess what, everybody? We're the aliens. We were the aliens. She was just some big chick. (laughs) That was diabolical genius. It was awesome, dude. It was so great. Amazing. (laughs) And now, is this, did you know this one or did you know the other one? I didn't know this one. I knew the other one. I'll explain how I knew later. Cool. So she goes down the hatch, and as the ship smolders, we see um, the stars and the galaxy. And then Rod certainly says something about how um, they were astronauts sent to it. the uh, edge of the cinematic universe, like Schlockernauts, I guess. Hey, right? Nice, nice tie-in, dude. Yeah. Thanks. Here, I got the outro here. I'll play it for you. These are the invaders, the tiny beings from the tiny place called Earth. 
who would take the giant step across the sky to the question marks that sparkle and beckon from the vastness of a universe only to be imagined. The invaders, who found out that a one-way ticket to the stars beyond has the ultimate price tag. And we have just seen it entered in a ledger that covers all the transactions of the universe. A bill stamp paid in full and to be found on file in the Twilight Zone. Damn, that is nice, man. That writing mm-hmm. is beautiful, dude. It's excellent. We are the aliens, man. We were the we aliens. We are the one. So, as we discussed earlier, they came out from behind the door, and she kicked them down into the, the kitchen. They, that was the first thing. She, they didn't... Um, she didn't... Nope. They she exposed kicked themselves. him first. They, they said, like, oh, here we are, and she kicked them down into... Um, down off the roof. And so that's when the other one on the roof started shooting her with his laser blaster. Oh, I think and that's that, when she threw the fire okay. at him. I think in my memory, they started shooting her, and that's why she kicked him down. I don't so think so, no. Either, either way, we, we can go back and find it. Either way, I had a question about that. Like, who was the actual... Who, who made the first uh, violent mo- uh, maneuver? You know what I mean? Either way. Either way, it was great. Know. That big reveal at the end... Perfect, dude. And I can only imagine it was, it had to have been what, a thousand times cooler back in the 60s. When oh, we, man. Did you imagine this, all dude. the people talking about it at school the dude. next day? How much fun that would be? Because, I mean, right now, if we see, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if we go in the, in the last 10 years, let's say, pick any heist movie, any heist movie that we've seen, I guarantee you there's a double cross in it. There's no doubt in my mind there's going to be a double cross, right? Like, that's in every movie. It's, oh, she was bad. Or, oh, she was working for everything you see has that same formula now. But I bet you back then, this was probably bonkers when you saw it. Like, oh, what? Mind blown, blown dude. All oh, over my your God. Face. <laughs> right, dude. Yeah, it had to be like that. Mm-hmm. It had to be. Hold on, let me. It was a really, really fun ride, man. Uh, the tension, the pacing, the tone, everything was just pitch perfect. They did a terrific job. I agree. Anything else on that one? Um, I don't think so. No. All right. Any good news and bad news? I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Well, welcome, everybody, to episode 33 of Schlockernaut, where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of TV shows, to include classic cult anthology series that have become woven into the fabric of the horror and sci-fi genre. You can check out steve52.com for previous episodes and links to support the podcast. I'm Doc. I'm here with our opposite Rod Serling non-smoking narrator, Steve. And now, on to the show. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, man? How you doing? Feels like we haven't spoken in, in days. Dude, it's great, right? We're uh, <laughs> we're here going to talk all about a little, what, Twilight Zone? Yeah, do you want to give a shout-out to who uh, recommended this for us? Yeah, I want to thank, hang on a second, let me get my notes. I want to throw a huge shout-out to at Sheena655321 on Twitter. Um, without her, this episode would not have been possible. And speaking of this episode, it's Twilight Zone Season 3, Episode 24, titled To Serve Man. 1962, released on March 2nd. 1962. With quite a bigger cast than the last one we did, right? Exactly. This was uh, directed by Richard L. Bear, uh, who was a director, writer, producer with one acting credit. Um, I think he only did one thing uh, acting wise. He was he did uh, Green Acres, The Donna Reed Show, 77 Sunset Strip. So, I mean, obviously this guy's done some stuff, right? Yep. All right. So uh, it's starring Lloyd or Le Lloyd is the way I like to say it. Le Lloyd Botchner. As Michael Chambers? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Lloyd Botchner. Got it. Michael Chambers. Good. You don't get Lloyd, though? LL? 
L L O. I was still trying to pull up my page. I had the other one loaded. <laughs> Dude, that guy has 212 acting credits to his name on IMDb. He's been in everything from Perry Mason, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Combat, Bewitched. Weird, nice. right? There was, there's the, and I'm sure that's these are a year apart, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's definitely an actor's actor. Nice. I liked him too. I thought he did a good job. Uh, Richard Keel, he plays the Canimate, which. I do refer to him just as Canimate, like it's his name, and the Canimate. So uh, just so everybody knows, there's only one alien in this movie, and it's Richard Keel, and he looks awesome. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, he's Jaws from um, the James Bond movies and supposedly a super cool guy. Everything I've always read is he's big on – was big on the uh, – what are those uh, – convention circuits. He would go to all the yeah. sci-fi conventions, and uh, he was supposed to be a really cool dude. You said like him, Richard – uh, Keel and Richard Hatch would basically be at every convention, right, just right. hanging out with the fans, right? Right, like they were almost pay- like they were paying to be there or something, right? Like they would come to your birthday party if you if you play <laughs> if you planned it properly. Show up right? to the opening of an envelope, man, just to be with the fans, which is right. awesome. Yeah, I wish more guys were like that, dude, because uh, the fan base for these conventions is terrific, dude. Everybody uh, is passionate about things, and uh, you can't find a better group of friends to have. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome uh dude i thought this was kind of crazy he was 72 and he passed away in 2004 at the age of 74 which that's kind of a rarity for it somebody is. that large isn't it absolutely yeah the usually the bigger the bigger you are the harder your heart has to work to pump all that blood and i think that um most of the time people that live to 100 they're little skinny scrawny uh people it's not big big tall men early but 74 man good on him it's absolutely. sad that we lost him though yes He's in, um, he's in Billy, he was uh, also, not Billy Matt. Was it Billy Madison he was in? No, uh, Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. He played Mr. Larson and Happy Gilmore. Right. Uh, he was in Pell Rider, Force 10 from Navarone. Um, he had uh, written and produced a movie of his own. I think he directed it too, The Giant of Thunder Mountain. Um, and he was Jaws in two Bonds films. Right. Two Bond films. I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, I remember because he was in the space one for man. sure with the, uh, with the big silver teeth, right? Yes. Yeah. Didn't they fight like jumping out of an airplane or something? Like on the way down to the ground, did they battle each other or something? You know what? I haven't gone through those Bond, the older ones in so long, I couldn't tell you. But I definitely remember them as Jaws. That would be the most popular thing for me. I'm a huge fan of those. I don't know why. I hit and miss. Some are good. I know. guess I got enough other stuff I, I like. So, I mean, I can't like everything. Hey, guess so. what? If you watch a new Bond movie, there's going to be a double cross in it. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then we got Hardy Albright, who plays the Secretary General. Um, believe it or not, he was in a little bit witch too. Dang man. Yeah. I know Gunsmoke, Dennis and menace. Um, he was a successful TV actor, man. He had uh, 73 credits to his name. So good on him. Yeah. Twilight zone. And I got to imagine that these are early works for most of these people. So this really was a jump off. This was like the star Trek of, of can I uh, say that? I think time. you were not right on that. Really? No, dude. I mean, some of these people started acting. Some of them, some, eh, I'm saying we're. I'm going to say we're fifty-fifty because some okay. of their career career ended in the '70s. Some of them in the '80s. Some some went to the highs, the odds. But I mean, a lot of them before the Twilight Zone, you would have to scroll down two, three pages, and they were starting like with the craft theater productions wow. and stuff. I mean, they had been doing this a long time when they got to this point. Okay, so I'm fifty percent right, and you're fifty percent wrong. Got it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I. It, um, I didn't want to be a dick on that. Yeah, just, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was weird because like you would see some that right in the middle of the careers they did it right at the beginning and then right at the end. Yeah. So either way, 
they were definitely fielding some talent. Can we agree on that? Yeah, there absolutely. Susan Cummings played Patty. Um, she had had roles in Perry Mason, The Untouchables, Mikhail's Navy, um, and a line that will go down in television history is a classic. So she, that's all she needs. What is it? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. It. Okay, yeah, the yeah. Episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. I, I, I won't which, ruin it now. Which I didn't take, by the way. So. You didn't what? I didn't take a clip of you it. I don't know why that. I didn't, dude. I don't know why. Stupid. All right. I got much worse clips, but not that. <laughs> Uh, you literally like recorded every ounce of dialogue from the first episode and nothing from this nothing from this one no you know what happens this has happened on other shows uh, i get so involved on some of these that i i'm having so much of a good time that i kind of space it you know yeah you know what it's a testament of the work you kind of lose yourself right absolutely we get the same excellent intro that we had before um and then we begin oh, uh, with a typical 60s male, right? Mr. Chambers. Yeah, now I did take... Pomade in the hair. Did you want his intro? I did take the intro and the outro from Sterling again. No, let's, let's not do that. Okay. That's too much. Okay. Um, we get a good intro, and then we have a typical 60s fella, Mr. Chambers, smoking a cigarette and lounging in what appears to be a spaceship of some sort, I guessed, at the time. Did you get that at, the, at this did. point? I did. That's what I took it as as well, yeah. Um, and then a voice comes over the a PA system, basically letting him know it's mealtime and asks what he would prefer to eat. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Chambers does not appear to be particularly happy with this situation. So I'm going to say that's not a room in a ship, but that is a cell in a right. ship. I took it as that too. Like he was, he was definitely, dude, how smoky were those old like movie sets, dude, and TV sets? It, it seemed to me like everybody was smoking at all times. It's like the, um, the, uh, fire extinguisher case in Arizona Charlie's bingo parlor. It's like it's, it's so coated with nicotine. You can't uh, even see that there's a fire extinguisher in there. You could like write, wash me on it with your finger on the outside. Yeah. So and it would come smoky. out with just like a gloop Ugh, of, of so like nicotine on your finger that if you stuck in your mouth, you would probably die. Cause he's, he's in this small cell and he's laying there on his bed smoking. And then Serling's, he smokes like Serling's smoking. Serling's walking on the set smoking. Everybody's smoking. I was like, dude, is, do you think that everybody behind the camera like was had a cigarette hanging out of their mouth too? Yeah, probably. Like the director, the the grips, everybody smoking? That was the thing to do back then, oh, man. It's grody. Okay. Now everybody would be vaping. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it's just large blip, like a choo-choo train coming through, and it's just uh, a gaffer. Cool, cool plumes everywhere. <laughs> Which is, uh, what is Pete's flavor again? What is it? Oh, Thug Juice. They got Pete's Thug Juice. <laughs> Freaking Pete. That's great. Everybody's smoking down some Thug Juice. There, that's my fake sponsor for this one, dude. Uh, Pete's Thug Juice. Uh, if, if you're into vaping, he says it's the best. <laughs> Awesome. Or you could have the one that tastes like Red Bull and uh, cigarettes, mm. which, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> well, I'll take some of that Hawaiian punch, please. <laughs> I get thug juice. I'm, 12. I'm, I'm going to make a Thug Juice t-shirt. Dude. Ah, it's already a real thing. Oh, too late. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you copyright there or something. Ugh, um, right. But then it's, they actually confirm he's in space because he says, what time is it? And the narrator goes, in space, there is no time. Yeah, and I, I like okay, okay. So what time is it on Earth right now? Right, what's Earth time, jerk? But I got a oh, okay. Uh, it's at twelve noon. I got a bone to pick with that too, because and maybe uh, this is completely conjecture, dude. Maybe someyone who's smart, Jeff. Maybe uh, Jeff can chime in on Are this you one. About to, to ask why there's no time in space? No, I was gonna say I thought that space is measured in time. Like, isn't a light year how long it takes light to travel one year? Like, it's like six trillion miles or something. Yeah. So 
I, maybe I'm dumb or whatever. Jeff, Jeff, you can email me and tell me how stupid I am. But I, I thought that that was the exact opposite. I thought that's how they measured it. So, <laughs> well, I guess that would be how we measure it, right? Who knows how someone from another planet would measure Not it? Not a so. right. Not yeah. Who knows? So <laughs> stupid Earthling. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I wish I had Jeff's uh, voice modulator box right now. Remember that thing I sent you? Oh yeah, dude, that was good. How awesome would that be right now, and Jeff? I, dang yeah, it, I don't have it on the thing. Should have had him on the show so he could have done his voice. We should have. Uh, so then it, it like does the uh, melting or what is it called? The wavy lines to show us that we're going back in time. The screen wipe. <laughs> One of those, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get a flashback to Earth in New York to be specific. Um, and it's an April day. And you see a really cool flashing uh, flying saucer going across the sky yeah and i thought those are some sweet shots of like busy streets man those are really cool yeah man everybody like stopping to point at the flying saucer yeah it was really cool so and i think this uh, is when uh serling gives his when he breaks the fourth wall here and comes in did you want that or do you want me to skip that too go ahead yeah if you want respectfully submitted for your perusal a canimate height a little over nine feet weight in the neighborhood of 350 pounds origin unknown motives Therein hangs the tale. For in just a moment, we're going to ask you to shake hands figuratively with a Christopher Columbus from another galaxy and another time. This is the Twilight Zone. It's great, man. Yeah, I don't think we had gotten to that point yet, but anyway, because I, I at first didn't realize that... I, I knew that the narrator for this episode was not Serling. I didn't even put two and two together, and then I finally realized like it was Chambers... In the spaceship, right. telling us the viewers what had happened. Right, they they do a little and how he got to that know. point. And I wonder how common that was back then too to to start the story, you know, to have the guy telling the story, a voiceover going back, you know, the beginning being the future. I wonder how how often that was done, or how how often we had to have a narrator like spoon feed us every bit of information right. there That's was. Because right. we've talked about that before, man. People back then used to really think that. Viewers were stupid. Right. We need so. to explain. We need to show those knives on the wall really long mm-hmm. so that they know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess we're at, we're at some sort of press conference. The world knows about the aliens. They're here. They've landed all over the world. Um, we're at the United Nations because we see all the placards being placed on every country's or nation's desk or cubicle, if you will, right? Um, and then that's when we learn that the cannabis, they are called cannabis. And then we see the stuffy Secretary General uh, making the announcement to other people. Um, and this drives me drove me nuts. While the Secretary General is giving a statement, did you see like literally everybody at the table and everybody around him was talking still? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the press dude's like, what's so secretive? But, you know, he's like busting in on him, interrupting him. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about, man? And you know they're probably talking about other things more important than like aliens. They're probably talking about how their golf score was or what kind of, uh, you know, new cocktail they just figured out or something silly the, like the that. The smooth but, taste of Chesterfields. They were, they were, dis- <laughs> they were discussing other things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he also tells us there have been reports all over the world of these landings. And then I instantly thought about it. I don't know if I've ever discussed it on the show. I used to, as a kid... I had a Joan Rivers tape, and she had this little skit where she would talk about how come aliens never land at Harvard or Yale, but always some trailer park. Right. (laughs) That's good, yeah. (laughs) So he's talking about, you know, the aliens have landed all over the world. I'm thinking like every trailer park in Texas (laughs) has got a visitor, a little visitor. Yeah. He calls for calm. 
says there are no perceived threats from these aliens. And typical 60s fashion, right? Thanks. I, I love the socio-political aspect. Typical 60s fashion. What does the uh, what does the reporter want to know? What was it? What do they look like? Oh yeah, first question, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh, God. And also, how do you know they're not a threat? That would have been my first question. Like, how did you make that judgment? <clears throat> what do they look like? <laughs> I should have taken that cut, too. Because <laughs> if they're not white, yeah. it's not going to be good for them. <laughs> it's not, not going to work out. It's not no. good for the neighborhood. Is that what you're going to say? Jesus. That's uh. 60s, though, right? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, they were way ahead of their time with their socio-political messages, man. <laughs> I mean... God. So then a rich uh, a candidate, which is Richard Keel, um, he hulks his way to the front of the room and he's got this large bulbous head and he's got a serious popped collar too. He does. He, <laughs> nice catch. When he, when he talks to people, um, how did I word this? Um, I'll get to it later. But anyway, okay. that's when you get the Serling action. That's when Serling comes in and asks us to shake hands with the Christopher Columbus. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, and dude, I, that's when you start to realize that they're talking talking about issues that are still uh, relative to this day, right? Right. Yep. Both of these episodes have talked about alien invasions, right? Right. Where it's we flip the script, we're the aliens, and now you know the aliens are coming, but they're true aliens. <laughs> right. Right. Real aliens. Not, you know, some guy from Mexico, outer space aliens, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um. I think I nailed the description of Richard Keel. Do you want, can I give it to you? Go. Uh, it looks like Richard Keel with a non-bifurcated ass stuck on his head. That, would, you, <laughs> would you agree with that? <laughs> that's a good one, man. That's a real good. Right. Yeah, that's it. I took a screen he's cap got, of that too. He's I'll a put head. It, uh, yeah, he is. I'll put it in. Uh, I'll put it in Slack later for the Patreons, or I'll give it to you for Twitter. He uh, he speaks to the Earthlings with his mind, and uh, so I put he resembles a stoned college student. Because he's basically like has his open mouth breather and he's got like the bags under his eyes and he looks totally disinterested in anything anybody's saying. Yeah, he looks like a dude in a, in a coma. And this 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 is, if I had to nitpick, this would be the one thing I didn't like. You get two voiceovers in this one. You get um, uh, Lloyd, Michael Chambers telling you what's going on from his chamber and you also get Richard Keel who doesn't talk with his mouth. So you had two different you had two different voiceovers going on almost at the same time and that threw me for a little bit. Okay, so he, he's using big words, and I come to Earth with honorable intentions, and the only thing missing from his look is like the drool coming out of right, the side of his Right, right, right. Yeah, he totally looks like a coma, like he's in a coma or yeah. something. Or like somebody's giving him a roofie. <laughs> <laughs> he roofied out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I come with good intentions. And, hmm, but he doesn't do move his mouth. Do that? I don't. He doesn't move his mouth when he speaks. It's just, it's just him staring at the camera. It was kind of weird. It was cool, though. I liked it. Uh, yeah, but I think his kindness is mistaken for a weakness, though. How's that? Because immediately the secretary general demands that they interrogate him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, my God, man. Phrasing, right? I mean, can you say, hey, do you mind if we ask you like a couple of questions? But no, can we interrogate you right here and right now? Right, right. They definitely go on the on the extreme defensive um and I think was this this was the one that landed in like New Jersey, right? So we're still in the they're still in the U.S. Oh, at this point. Oh, United Nations, Are there in New the, York, the United Nations. Yes. So is this where they had like the really bad accented guys? Because I wanted you to touch on that with you too. It was the United Nations. So you had France ask a question, 
and you had Russia ask a question, and you had, I think, Argentina ask a question, and they all had terrible accents. Because I still have dif- uh, difficulty telling the difference between authentic and bad French accents. Like, to me, <laughs> to me yeah, they're the almost same. the same. Like, I couldn't tell you if it's a real French dude or not. <laughs> Did you like how the delegates would raise their hand like a fifth grader, too? Uh, I don't <laughs> want to talk. <laughs> Hey, but I'll tell you what, hey, the Russian dude. the heads of these countries and like, uh, okay, it looks like uh, Russia has a question over there. He's got his hand. Right. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. The Russian guy, I know was a bad accent. There was no, there was Uh, no, uh, definitely no, um, I didn't wonder if he was really from Russia. I'll tell you that. So he answers all the questions to all the people, that all the countries posed to him. And I'm going to summarize it for you right now. Okay. Okay. Um, Canimates are here to teach earthlings about atomic energy, which was a huge deal back in the 60s. Um, they want to help them to prevent natural and unnatural catastrophes and that they have no ulterior motives. If you tell me you have no ulterior motives, I think you have an ulterior motive. Right. If you start the sentence with, I'm not going to lie to you, um, you're probably <laughs> lying. <laughs> or to be honest with you. Yeah. Like you've seen cops before, right? How many of those dudes are like, look, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it wasn't mine. <laughs> that's, that's, to be honest with you, I'd lie. Right. Yeah. That's what I So. Another thing I noticed about this, did you think he was way too hip on U.S. Uh, economics? Yeah. Because he kept saying, like, for pennies on the dollar, <laughs> you know, like for, for <laughs> roughly $3 a year, I'll be able to power your house. I'm like, how's, how are they so in on not, not just um, economics in general, but the U.S. dollar, <laughs> like the U.S. economics? Dude, so hey, weird, man. Dude. It, 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 he's figured out earthlings. Right. Talk right. about money. Not just earthlings. He's giving them, just giving them what the U.S. They want. earthlings. <laughs> He's basically going to make this a Garden of Eden. Right. Give them exactly what they want. Because he even says, again, I'm going to help you solve all of Earth's problems as long as you trust me. Right. Trust But he was me. almost like a used car salesman because he kept talking about the low, low prices. He was like, and it's going to be so cheap. The power and the food will be so cheap. It'll be cents on the dollar. It was really weird for me how he kept bringing up the money. You know, I just thought about something, too. Was he kind of a Christ-like figure? Because, I mean, people are coming him, mm. coming to him to help them solve their problems, which he's promised to do. Like if you just trust in me, in me, believe I will in serve. Me. Yeah, I will. I will save you from all your troubles and your sorrows. Hmm. And then he takes them up into the heavens. Look at that, dude! Is that on the fly? Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, nice. I was just sitting there thinking about that. Like, man, this sounds an awful lot like religion. <laughs> <laughs> And then I thought of like him sitting at the, uh, this is flight 947 bound for Canimates planet. <laughs> Hop on in. And like literally people are just scrambling to get into there, right, to get right. to that planet Take where me. they talked about, they, they specifically said it's a garden of Eden here. Take me. It's perfect. Come to Canimate where the prices are so low, you won't believe your eyes. That's what I'm hearing from him. <laughs> we have two for one on Chesterfield the cigarettes. The low, low prices, the mild taste of Chesterfield. <laughs> With two different tobaccos. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, hey, good so, call, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, think about it. That, yeah. That's another subtext yeah. that, that's happened here. So Not bad. And at the end of the meeting, he leaves a book on the table, which has little alien markings on it. And I'm pretty sure Steve's going to tell us that that's also Morse code. Uh, no. That one is uh, hieroglyphics. I, I, I translated <laughs> it myself before the end of the show. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yes. And it means nothing. It means nothing. So... so um, then we get a black and white television trope that I don't believe we see too much anymore, especially in the age of digital media. The newspapers flashing across yeah, the screen. Yeah, dude. If it's not like maybe on a Spider-Man um, movie or something, right? If you're, they would show the the headline: "Spider-Man saves another victim" or something like that. Right. 
the world's eating eating the can of its up, though, man. Yep. They love it. They love everything yep. they're doing. They put nitrates in the soil, so deserts have turned into, uh, you know, flourishing oasises. And they've figured out that nuclear atomic thing. And potato on, prices have never been lower. Yeah, and pennies on the dollar. Yeah. <laughs> you have food for. So they love it. Yep. They absolutely love it. And that's when I figured out that Chambers was the narrator. Like, who the hell is this guy even talking? Right, I kind of like, knew, but I had to be the guy in the cell. So. A fun fact this um, is one of my dad's favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone. I think this is his favorite episode of Twilight Zone. So I was pretty familiar with it. So he had told you about it, or had you watched it? We watched it together, and he's spoken about it since. It's kind of a thing with him. He likes this one a lot. Cool, man. So this was probably, at the time, something that really stuck in his head is like, oh, you know, like, if you'd have seen this without knowing the twist at the end, this one might stick out in your head, you know, as a child. Yeah. So that's when we realized that Chambers, during the initial alien contact, was involved in attempting to decipher the cannabis book. And he's having one hell of a, like, really tough time doing this. Right. So that's when Chambers reveals, too, that the candidates are actually helping the Earthlings. Um, but the military is still not buying it. They want to know what the hell's in, in that book, right? Right. And why did he leave the book? That was a good question as well. I don't know. Like maybe he also wanted to share some cooking ideas. Well, I Whoops. think ooh, I think they even mentioned at some point where where they're like, well, it can't be anything bad, or he wouldn't have left it here. I think somebody even says that because that was kind of what I was thinking. Like he should have just taken that. This would have solved his whole issue, you know. But it would have ruined the the cool twist also. So here's when I realized that like I kind of already knew what what was coming up, but here's when I realized like I really really knew it was coming up. Okay. And Chambers hits the nail on the head. And he says, with all the food we need, there were going to be no more problems. And that's when I, I I thought, like, well, thanks, Simpsons. Right. Oh, here you go. Thanks for this one. Is this your cut? Here. Yeah. Look, I know that to you, we Simpsons are a lower order of life. We face that prejudice every day of our lives. But we are happy on our little planet. We throw ourselves on your mercy. Please return us to... Dinner time. Hey, get a load of that spread. <laughs> So, so Lisa was was uh, Michael Chambers, and the rest of everybody else was Homer, right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> food. Yeah, right on. So that's dude. I mean, they did a great job parroting this episode with right. Kodos and Kang, um, but still, I was excited that I was seeing this because now it's like a like when a kid. I know this is going to sound super nerdy, so I'm prepared for all the backlash. It's like when a kid hears a Weird Al Yankovic song, because my kids like Weird Al Yankovic songs, like Fat, and then they hear Michael Jackson's version of Bad. Right. They, they, they don't. They, yeah. they put two and two together finally. Like, they holy get the crap. source material, right? Yeah, this is even better because this guy took this song, which is a good song, but then made it funny and a good song as well. So I had always loved the Treehouse of Horrors on The Simpsons and that particular episode. And then when I see the source material where the guys that are writing these shows that I love – where they're getting their inspiration from also makes me happy. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Even though I knew the spoiler. Yeah, I agree. I love finding the the origination of something that's been um, redone out of love, you know, decades later. I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, that's when Patty busts in and they've translated the title. Yes. To serve man. To serve man. Get to ready serve. for the get ready for the double the double meaning, but yeah, to serve man. And they're like, oh, that sounds that's sweet. altruistic. Oh, that's sweet of them. <laughs> Dude, what, what kind of asshole, man? Like, I'm glad they're here to serve me. Yeah. 
you know, how yeah. sweet. Ugh. But it sets like, it up perfect. I mean, it is a perfect setup, right? Yeah, I mean, whoever thought of the title, like, that's very witty. They, they, I hope they high five themselves when they wrote that, right? Like, Dude, I hope there was some butt slapping. Good game. Right, going right. on. <laughs> that's a good one. So then we have a packed stadium, which I'm pretty sure um, was stock footage, would you say? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Of when they're like in the large auditorium totally. getting ready to watch the video or whatever? Yeah. But I love it when they show a large auditorium filled with people and the sound guy always works in one of these. <coughs> what? Did you catch that? Yeah, dude. Every time. It's just so subtle. They'll show an enormous place packed with people and the sound guy literally will go out of his way to throw in a... <coughs> just a little a clear your throat? Yeah, like a little cough in the background. Uh, you know what, dude? Now that you said that, it's going to bother me. It probably never occurred to me before, so thanks for ruining it. Good job. Just check it out. Go back and watch the episode. It's so silly. Just some little... <coughs> it's like Tom Cruise's tooth that I ruined for everybody. Yep. Well, yeah, I can't unsee that. Yep. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So, um, and the, they're in this auditorium to watch a particular film, and it's a film of the Canimit. Taking a lie detector test. Yep. <laughs> and I totally screwed this up. But I, I could see Mari Povich just like wringing his hands behind there like, ooh, is Kahneman right, right. going to be on our show? Uh, and Kahneman, lie detector tests have proven that is a lie. You, oh, oh, I got a, I got a Povich cut here. here. You are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the music. <laughs> it doesn't quite relate, but it's still fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine, though, dude, you know, okay, so this is what happens behind the scenes with uh, this show, and then you got Richard Keel with his butt head on the stage, and, like, you did cheat on Earth. Right. You're not here planet. to service. Ooh, boom, boom. Has <laughs> <laughs> determined that you are not here to serve man. <laughs> and he gets up and does that that really cool crip walk that that guy does, and <laughs> he start dancing. It's great. Oh, uh, good stuff. Genius. Good stuff. Hey, they went it's way like, out of their way. He passed the lie detector test, though, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if this was like way early lie detector test because they went out of their way to explain exactly how it worked in like every piece of the machine, right? Like it tests his heart rate, his okay. breathing pattern. This this line means that. Of his this skin. will be here. Yeah, they go. They really want to let you know what a lie detector is all about. Yeah. So, and then we have a quick montage that reveals that the candidates followed through with. Everything on their promise, right? Mm -hmm. Everything. No more oh. war. Um, I got a montage. I made a montage I really, cut. Hold on. Can I, can I, I hate to say this, but I actually wrote this down because it drove me nuts yesterday. More war. No more war. Yeah, those more, that doesn't flow. More does it? war. Because I actually wrote more war. M O R E W O R E. What does it sound? More, more war. war. Um, more war. Dude, it's no been it's been like a month or two, but I made a montage cut for something we could play when we run into montages. Um, I'm trying to find it because I've been meaning to show it to you. We're going to have a montage. I thought about that, but I went, with, here, I went with something quicker. Just that. Just So whenever we get a montage, I'm going to try to sneak that in. I don't like that at all. I love it. I, love it. I don't even know what it means. What does that mean? There's a montage in every A-Team episode. Okay, but I mean that clip. Every A-Team has a montage. I don't like it. Yeah, you're crazy, dude. You do whatever you want. This you're is your crazy. show. I'm just here to talk about it. <laughs> you're crazy. Okay, here's my new montage clip. <laughs> is that better? Is that something you can get behind, dude? Is that what you want? 
Uh, can we also let everybody know that I won that? Oh, you totally did, man. I think Sean was, <laughs> Sean is, I think, put the icing on the cake with the, uh, the IMDb uh, page, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, which it was actually Cho, like C-H-O, Cho-Cho Bamba. I was still, everybody voted for Choo-Choo Bamba. They totally did. I still think didn't, you're all wrong. Didn't but... Ryan say that, uh, do you call it a Jubacabra? <laughs> yeah. Well, screw Ryan, dude. Was he you know? Your favorite character from Star Wars was Jubaka. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. He's got so, a, Brian has a worse I, haircut than Chewbacca, so he's not allowed to, to say anything I think, about me. I think it's rad and majestic. Right. So let me hear you say it, Steve. Here. Chewbacca. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, apparently, yeah. I was wrong. Um, I give Sean the respect for the find, though. I was also wrong, and thank you, Sean, yep. for correcting us both. Thanks, but I bud. was righter than Steve was. God, that, that's our montage song now, just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, we then go to Earthlings boarding flight 267 to the Canamit. <laughs> the cheap, like the cheapest Delta. prices around. <laughs> yeah. You've got the Canamit standing and taking the boarding passes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, doesn't one dude try to get in by saying he's a, a, a diplomat, um, a foreign diplomat? Diplomatic immunity. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab that, that dip. What was that from lethal weapon? Right. <clears throat> and you remember I sent that to you and Aaron at one point as like a goof, the diplomatic community. So I was going back through my sound clips, and this is when I wasn't good at keeping them in order. And I found what I thought was the cut, but it was me saying it, not the movie. So I cut that <laughs> instead. It's me from the show here. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> That's the only one I could find. <laughs> I don't even remember the context for that, dude. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Because it was horrible. Oh, it's so was, bad. You can probably, so now I've said it too, so you can put us both side by side, make it something even stupider. Right. <laughs> More stupid. I'm sorry. Stupider yeah. is not a word. More stupid. Yep. So, but then it's interesting because the cannabis tells everybody that, or, or they figure it out somehow, but that the cannabis planet is a steady 76 degrees and the sun is always shining. And it sounds a whole lot like heaven to me. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like utopia. And, yeah. and your best friends are already there. Right. <laughs> your dog. Your dog has been realized. Right there. I mean, right. wow. Yeah. Man, this is working. And that's what she talked about, I think. Uh, Sheena, uh, at Sheena65532, I believe. Nice plug, dude. Good job. Nice way to sneak it in. Sheena65532, who is really cool. Uh, I think that's what she said. Is there's like some actual context. Uh, it wasn't just a you know creep out episode or a straight sci-fi episode. There right. was some political, social commentary there. So. Well, now that now that you pointed out, I could totally see that, man. I mean, that's especially at the time, right? That that would probably speak to just about everyone. Yeah. So, all right, man. And then uh, <clears throat> that's when we find out that Patty and Chambers um, have literally nothing else to do. They're turning off all the computers. Right. There's no no work for them to do anymore because no, uh, the candidates have solved everything. So what do you think they're going to do? Didn't they sign up to go as well? They had already signed up, but now with both of them out of work, they basically sat in a room and uh, they sat on their keisters and one person was putting on the makeup and the other one was playing with a piece of string like a kitten. Smoking a smooth Chesterfield. <laughs> Literally. They're like, well... Since the candidates, they're walking around the room, turning off all the equipment. Since the candidates have done everything for us, there's really nothing left for us to do. So Patty starts putting on <laughs> lipstick, and Chambers starts playing with string. Between oh, yeah, fingers. he has that, that game that kids used to play where you put wind the string between 
your all the four fingers of your hands, right? And you'd make right. designs. And is this the point where is this the part where he makes some rude ass diss about Argentina? Is that did you catch that? I, don't, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, at one point when she was debating, like uh, they were debating about them bringing the food, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I looked at Argentina, which is the most barren and fruitless as anywhere on earth, and they have more vitamins in their soil than blankety blank." I'm like, "Dude, then a, then a like a pharmacy or something." Like, now. Yeah, then a pharmacy. I was like, "What a diss on Argentina, man!" And it doesn't seem that doesn't seem right either. It seems like Argentina would be pretty lush, but nah, what do I know? It's what do I know? This. Yeah. And he, there was a couple times during their back and forths that uh, I know it doesn't make, it doesn't add much to the story, but they use some words that I never have heard. Well, one of them they used was Kentucky windage, which I know is something completely, you know what Kentucky windage is? Of course I do. Okay. Well, for, for people that don't, Kentucky windage for me anyway, is when you aim off target instead of adjusting your sights to be on target. If you know you're three, you're three inches down and to the right, you go up, up three inches up and to the left right we're talking about shooting by the way but yeah you don't use you don't adjust your sight you adjust manually for that they used it in a completely different context and he also used i took a cut of it because i wanted you to explain it to me he please tell me it's the word fiddlesticks no that i understand it's this okay well that makes the cheese a little more binding wouldn't you say colonel (laughs) (laughs) what is that dude yeah i'm gonna pull that one i'm gonna uh, can i steal that and use that that makes the cheese a little more binding Mm-hmm. I, I have I don't know where they're going for there, but they had a couple really cool little sayings like that that I was I was just kind of curious about, you know. I'm gonna steal that. Let's take it. I'll send you the clip. Let's bring it back. Let's bring cheese and binding. <laughs> you well, can bring up a good point on the show. That, mm, that really binding. makes the cheese more of? binding, yeah, doesn't it? Cheese more binding. I use a little Kentucky windage. Like, no sense. <laughs> so, um. They actually talk about they're looking forward to... It's 1962 this came out. They actually said they're... Now with nothing left to worry about, they can look towards the millennium. Right. And I hope the cannabis cannabis can help us with that Y2K problem. <laughs> <laughs> Make computers might blow up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What a dumb scare that was. Mm-hmm. So... And then, they, of course, they've got the cannabis literally doing everything for us, but these two conceited assholes, all they can talk about is... Mankind's resiliency. Yeah, like they're really stuck on on that job. That man, we did a really good job letting the cannabis come in here and do everything for us, didn't we? Yeah, the world. There's no more hunger in the whole world. But let's work on this book a little. Let's see what this is all about. Let's worry about that. Yeah, and they're still hoping to decipher that book. And that's when you cut to Chambers boarding flight nine fourteen to the cannabis. Yeah, flight. right after the cut of the ultra book tooth Asian stereotype. I hope you got him too, because I was a little bit, no. I was a little offended by him, dude. A little what bit. Was Where was he? It, just during the montage with the different people around the world. At one point, there was the uh, the Asian. Whatever, That's right. When they're dude. talking, it's like showing the strips of paper where they're yes. sending messages back to yes. everybody in in their countries that the candidates are here to help us. I was like, dude, you come on, man. That is that intentional, man? Because it looked like those fake teeth you put on for like Halloween, dude. Like, no, nah, dude, that's not all right. Come on, guys, be cool. 1962. Be cool, dude. That ain't cool. <laughs> 1962, man. They had no idea what they were right. doing. Yeah. So, so yeah, they cut to him. He's he's. Well, uh, you really know how to bring bring the fun down. <laughs> I'm going to even it out a little. I like to even that you put, out. You just put the brakes on. <laughs> it's important to bring up, but I was like, man, we're coming to the best part of the show. And you're like, and then I was really offended by that. Yeah. And then I saw the Asian guy. <laughs> then that, it's true. And that happened, it's, right? It's absolutely true, man. They had no idea what they were doing back then. But 
That's what happened in my head. <laughs> All right, sorry. I think that was literally like 10 minutes back in the episode, too. Well, really? Because right here in my notes, I put, why such a book teeth Asian? <laughs> That's my note. <laughs> uh, That's great. All right. Not okay. Not okay. Uh, And so as he's preparing to climb the steps of the ship, Patty rushes in and she's begging Chambers not to get on the on the aircraft. This is straight out of like um, a John Hughes '80s, right? Like she followed him to the airport. (laughs) Don't get on that plane. Has anybody ever gone to an airport and tried to find somebody right before they get on a plane? Good Uh, luck. It's never going to (laughs) happen. You're not getting past TSA. You just forget it. You might as well just go home. That's good. But in 1962, New York, you could literally walk right out to the tarmac and get into the back of the line. And uh, basically, she said, don't get on that plane. He goes, well, why not? You like me? You want some of this? And she goes, no, the cookbooks or the book to serve man is a cookbook. It's a cookbook, which I don't have the cut of. It's a cookbook. Of course, I don't have. the most important, most historic line of this entire show. Yeah. And you didn't get it, but you got 30 minutes of Rod Serling talk. Right, I got this. You are not the (laughs) (laughs) She could have told him that. (laughs) Could have celebrated. (laughs) See, that cut worked after all, man. Historic lines of television history. We got you are not the father. Ah, you not the father is pretty historic as well, bro. That's gonna go down in time, <laughs> oh, dude. Trust me. <laughs> One fact though, did you know that on IMDb, the Twilight Zone is listed as like number twenty on the top uh, most favorite television series of all time. Oh, I, I totally believe that, and especially going back and and uh, checking these out, man. That's it's good shit. I mean, you got to put in perspe- perspective the year that this was made, man, and what was going on at the time. This is way ahead of its time, dude. This is a craziness. lot of racist producers and directors <laughs> making serious. There was TV. not a lot of Asians in Hollywood at this in the '60s, dude. I'm George. I'm sure George Takei is like, well, hello, I'm right here, but yeah. whatever. And other people besides George Takei. Yep. But anyway, so she tells him. Uh, it's it's a cookbook, and so they're basically taking you up there to eat you. Yeah, that's and why so they're feeding starts, you so well, right? Boom. I mean, it makes sense. Hey, look, it's kind of like making a Kobe beef. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking care of you. They're feeding you. They're massaging you, making sure you're not working too hard, mm-hmm. getting you all ready to go, because as soon as they take the herd up to heaven, I mean, the cannabis planet, yep. they're going to eat you. Yep, makes total sense. So, uh... He, of course, tries to fight with a nine-foot-tall, 350-pound man, which didn't work out too well. Right. He gets overpowered. They shove him in the ship, and he takes off. And that cuts you back to where he was in the beginning in his little, we'll call it a cell, right? And they're telling him to eat. Um, they're forcing meals upon him, basically. Right. And uh, it's just a fatten him up, man. Earth was just one big Kobe beef farm. That's yep. it. Yep. And that, that's when you get, I think, I think he, he himself breaks the fourth wall here, doesn't he? Uh, mm, I don't think so. Yes. Yeah, I think he does. Doesn't he turn he to says, the camera? Are you watching me now in right. here, or are you back on Earth? Right, right. So they did yeah, it again, okay. which I, I thought was kind of cool, you know. And then he starts just ravishing that food. He's like, whatever, I'm going to yeah, die anyway. Yeah. I might as well eat. And then you get the, I might as well play it since I got all the rest of them here. The recollections of one Michael Chambers with appropriate flashbacks and soliloquy. Or more simply stated, the evolution of man. The cycle of going from dust to dessert. The metamorphosis from being the ruler of a planet to an ingredient in someone's soup. 
It's tonight's bill of fare from the Twilight Zone. Man, they they cap that off, bro. They open it and cap Amazing. it perfectly, dude. Open it and cap it off, man. Um, who was this written by? Damon Knight. Wish I'd looked that up. Does he, does he have anything? I didn't look him up. Captain Video and his Video Rangers. That's it. Besides so the Twilight Zone. Well, on in IMDb, I'm sure he's written books and whatnot. It was a force of nature in the field of science fiction. He moved to New York City when he was 17 to live with science fiction fans. Well, there you go. Oh, good for him. Yeah, maybe we'll start looking into some of his stuff, too. And to cap- a, Good. He wrote 11 novels, often with elaborate concepts. What years? And short stories. Are they older, like in the 60s and 70s? 60s, yeah. He died in two, April 2002. Well, my very last note on this episode was I really liked the to serve man double meaning. It worked perfectly for, the, for this stuff. episode, right? Why can't we, instead of uh, doing a television show like uh, MacGyver... Or Training Day, or any of these other shows, Lethal Weapon. Why can't we just get some really cool people together and bring back the Twilight Zone with some just really great stories? I think they have, and I'll bring it up later. Like within the last twenty years? Yes, sir. Really? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but I'll. I'll... Okay, well, what happened? All right. Okay. Are, do you have anything else on that one before I play us in? I don't, man. But I want to thank. Sheena at Sheena six five five three two one for the recommendations and for the inspiration to get us to do this episode because man, that is a game changer for me. Yeah, this was fun times. This was good. Yep. Oh, you know, palate cleansed. One more little uh, trivia thing here, dude. I had more notes on the silent one than on the spoken one. I did too. Isn't that weird? I totally did. Yeah. I, I was totally not expecting that, but maybe it's because we had to describe more of what was going on versus you know them them telling it to us. Well, yeah, and, and it actually got you more engaged. You have to pay attention. Good. It's not spoon-feeding you dialogue. Okay. I like it. All right? All right. I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. All right. What's your good news? I really enjoyed the initial slow burn and then the quickening pace of the Invaders episode. Uh, I, I think out of the two, I like the Invaders more. Obviously, more notes. I'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, it had the perfect bit of tension with a great payoff to reward your patience and all without any dialogue except for the minimalist dialogue to reveal the shocking ending. Do you think if you didn't know the ending on To Serve Man that it would have been a little bit better for um, you to watch? Just completely blown my mind. Okay. So th- th- that's, that's maybe why just, you like the other one. You're able to talk about that with your schoolmates right. after, after watching that the night before. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my good news, I think uh, Rod Serling's intros and outro monologues, that's why I cut them all. They're, they're just, it's like poetry. It perfectly explains what's going to happen, and it perfectly perfectly caps off what just happened, and that I thought that they were written, uh, expertly written. Agreed. Uh, and what, the, the, the delivery was exquisite. Yep. What's your bad news? He, and you know what? He hated doing those. He, he said oh, if yeah, I ever had true. to do anything like that live, I could not have done it. Yeah. I, I, he goes, I would get like nervous in the pit of my stomach, and I would just get out there and do it. And that could have been why maybe his delivery was stilted like that. I, dude, I wish I'd have written it down, but I read in trivia, I think it was IMDb trivia, that uh, he had another guy that he wanted to do those intros and outros. And since that guy was unavailable, he just did it himself. So it wasn't even, he wasn't the first pick to do it. It wasn't him wanting to do it, you know. I know the feeling because every time we do this show, I'd wish somebody else would do it. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> just right. kidding, buddy. All right. Uh, what's your bad news? Um, I have now officially become a Twilight Zone addict, and I'm going to have to 
lose a lot of time with my family binge watching this series. <laughs> don't think of it losing sorry, time. Sorry, family. Yeah, don't think of it as losing. Think of it as um, gaining soccer not knowledge. Is doing something good with your time. How about that? <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe get them to watch it with me. All right, my my bad news. It's a cookbook. That's my bad news. I wish I had taken that cut. That would have been even better. All right, yeah. what, what's your That's sh- some really bad news when right. you get out of playing. <laughs> what's your schlock star rating? I give this uh, episode of schlock or not 20 unfiltered Chesterfield cigarettes out of 20. Nice. A whole lung glazing pack. Lung glazed, dude. Excellent. You know what uh, took uh, Rod Serling's life? What? A heart attack. Not not lungs, huh? No, I was I was thinking like, oh, totally, you know, lung cancer. Heart attack. Well, I mean, that smoking can cause <laughs> heart disease as well and other right. issues. So pulmonary, yeah. But still, yeah, you would expect with that voice and his uh, his smokiness in these shows that that would have been his demise, right? Yep. All right. My schlock star rating is four walls being broken. How about that, dude? See how I tied mm, that in? I like that's it. Yeah, nice. that's great. Did you learn a life lesson in here? I did, but not really a life lesson. I just wanted to just talk about something. Uh, Rod Serling uh, just became a master of pulling the rug out from under you, right? The the twist. In, way before M. Night Shyamalan, right? Yep. Um, I think genre fans need more of this, and I'm sure Hollywood's revenue stream would benefit from doing so. Quit spoon-feeding a shit. Um, I don't mind the remakes, but bring something new to them. But quit dumbing it down for everybody, for the lowest common denominator. Make smart, intelligent horror movies sci-fi genre fair and people will come and see i agree that's one of the things i complain about most on the show right like don't force feed me everything let me let me infer stuff or let it develop or let me figure it out and then and get that feeling of accomplishment right when you when you put it together yeah i like how i'm trying to sound all intelligent and then literally the last episode was like where's all the blood and guts man. <laughs> hey man and you're like i you know remember you're like i wanted more boobs just one boob and now we're talking about make them more intelligent it, it, we got to work with the subject matter that we're given, right? With the yep. with the matter at hand. So, when we watch Black Devil Doll, you're going to get a different take than when we watch Green Room. That's just just how it is, right? Exactly. Yep. I just think it's funny because people are going to like look back at those episodes and be like, "Listen, what this idiot's talking about here." Right. I bet you Pete, Pete could probably take anything we've said and find a contradictory statement in like a show previous, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, my, uh, are you good on that? Yes, sir. All right. My left, my life lesson learned was smoking makes your voice sound really cool until a certain point, and then you either die or it starts sounding really horrible. Right? You go from Rod Serling to like Marge Simpson's sisters when you when you break <laughs> when you break past that little line. Right? <laughs> Once it goes right across, and you have like a Carlsbad Cavern in your throat. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, 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 uh. not protocol requires a quiz off. May the best human moron win. You go. You want me to start this time? Sure. Do you think the woman ate the vanquished aliens? I mean, she <laughs> was having problems getting food, mm. right? That's a good question, man. I mean, no, no, I think she was repulsed by him. I don't think she ate him. I'm thinking she ate the hell out of those aliens because remember, you talked about she was having trouble getting food. So why the hell wouldn't you? She did put one on the fire. Could have been cooking. Yep. All right. Gross. Uh, okay, you've kind of already answered this, but if you want to explain it more, uh, Mike, it's a two-part question. Had you seen either of these episodes? I didn't know you'd never seen Twilight Zone. And if not, were you surprised by the twist endings? So, I was. Uh, I kind of 
had them both figured out a little bit because when you know there's a twist, you start thinking ahead, right? Right. right. I was uh, totally surprised by the the Invaders episode, which was a lot of fun, but Kodos and Kang completely ruined right. uh, to serve man to serve man because I think they even used like that exact. It's a cookbook, and they're trying to eat you. So I knew that. One. I bet you, if you wouldn't wouldn't have been spoiled on to serve man, that you would have you'd have liked it just as much or even better than um, the Invaders. You're probably right. Yeah. All right. Shoot. Okay, in the Invaders episode, do you think it was a creative decision to keep the woman from speaking to preserve the final reveal? Totally. Uh, that's that's my exact take on it was if she spoke English, you'd be like, oh, okay, so she's a, an alien on another planet that you speaks would, English. You would feel slighted, right? Like if she was speaking English, like, okay, an alien on a distant planet is going to be speaking perfect English to you? That's stupid. Which I could argue that with Richard Keel in the other one, but I could also say, but these people came to the planet. They might have studied ahead of time. They might have had done some research. That's not the case in the invaders. They came to her. She could have never had came with an, with a, an agenda, right? So they couldn't let her speak. She right. couldn't speak. She had to be the sole... Uh, focus of right. the episode. And that's the genius of putting her way out in the middle. You know what it reminded me of? Like uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog's Cabin. That That's what I thought of with her little house there. It's in the middle of nowhere with aliens coming down, right? I and, don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, it's a cool cartoon. It's uh, okay. But she she wouldn't have to speak because she's all by herself. So There's it made perfect sense. To. It made perfect sense. It was done perfectly. Unless it's... Uh, the blonde lady from the sinful drawer. If I've got to go to the police <laughs> now, or Suspiria, where this rug stops here. Weird, right? All right. Um, is that me? Yes. Is that you? Okay. Uh, did the one with no dialogue seem longer than the one with talking? And then I put as an added note, I had more notes on the silent one, but we already discussed that. I think the one with no dialogue was quicker, went quicker to me than the one that had dialogue. To serve man. It felt opposite to me, but it could have been that I've seen them both before. So I, you know, once you know what's coming, you're kind of waiting for it and, you know, anticipating it, I guess. True. So maybe that's Absolutely it. true. Okay. Okay. Your turn. My turn? Yep. On the cannabis meat, mar- cannabis meat market, which of our bodies would fetch the higher price? Oh, that's you, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm bones and gristle. Uh, yeah, I, I'm meteor, but you have a leaner... Uh, man beef and your organic grass fed <laughs> and gluten free. I have a leaner man beef. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You're the end of it. You're also organic grass fed and gluten yeah, free. Yeah, I got so, it all. So oh, that that's a higher price. And some <laughs> I, fat piece of like, uh, you know, ground chuck. Some, sh- some shit they're going to have to cut all the ends off of. <laughs> this is no good. Oh, it's gross. You know what's funny about that? My question kind of relates. Um, if you were gonna get eaten, if you were gonna eat a guy, would you let him smoke a bunch before you ate him? Well, yeah, I mean that's what I basically do with my smoker in the backyard anyway. He so he's kind of doing it for me. <laughs> he pre-smoked Smoking the meat. His insides. So yucky. I'd give him some pecan, some pecan wood though to smoke that, and maybe a little hickory. <laughs> so back. So somehow both of us had two like really kind of insightful, good questions, and ended it with a man meat question. Great, good job <laughs> to both of us. Uh, wait a minute. You got to take you, it down to their level. We got to we had to get it to the base, right? Get it all the way down there. Uh, did you get a Would you rather out of this? I did. Go. Would you rather be unexplainably transported to the known America time frame of the eighties, okay, or a hundred years into the unknown future with no take backs? You can't change it. Ooh, that's a great one, dude. Because that's that's more of a question of do I think the world is going in a positive into a positive place or a negative place? Right? Is what you're saying. It's literally, if you could go back to the 80s, knowing what you know, 
seeing all you saw as a child, which we've talked about this, we're always just trying to get that nostalgia right. back from our childhood years. You would have that. Or 100 years in the future where you could talk to your great-grandchildren, see what happened to your family in the future. Oh, it could one. be total, it could be fucking, uh, you know, Mad Max error, like, destruction. It right. could be the Terminators, you know, have taken over the Earth. Or it could be a you know, everybody figured out how to work together and get along, and it could be blissful, uh, a technological porno for your brain. You know what I'm saying? So am I comfortable with the known, or am I comfortable with the unknown, or am I uncomfortable with the unknown? Right. Wow, dude, that's great, man. For some reason, my, my I'm going to go with my gut here, and I might change my mind if I thought about it more, but my gut is telling me 80s because I was a child of the 80s, and my fondest memories is being a child of the 80s with my buddies and riding BMX bikes and the A-team and you know all the so all if the I stuff said the there. '60s, that would change your mind. Yes, the '60s would change my mind. That would be tougher for me. I mean, if you went back far enough to like cowboy days, that oh, might that's that why might I didn't change pick my that, mind. Because who the fuck would want to go? Pardon my like, God, I'm just going to go the whole episode. We almost did it without that. Who the heck would want to go to the cowboy days where literally you got to poop outside poop in a in box? An and, you know, I mean, that's why I said the '80s. You still have some comforts. Everything you're familiar with. You know, great question. I'm going to go with my my first uh, response, 80s. But there, there's there's a case to be made for seeing 100 years in the future. That would be great too. Good question. Okay. Great Ooh. question. I'm glad I made what, you think just a little bit. What's Absolutely. yours? Did you have a did you have a preference there, the 80s or the I, future? I think I would probably do the 80s too. Okay, but it would suck because I would have to try and I would probably do the things exactly the same way because I really like where I'm right, at. Right. That now you know well. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. I mean, because I, I would like try and like stalk my wife and like oh i know you also like these things and then win her over and then uh you know make my kids exactly the Try same because the they're awesome kids and everything dude that reminds me of that movie um i told you guys to watch it too uh it's a rom-com journey to the kind west? of no yeah it reminds me of journey to the west um no it's called time something it's with the gleason kid i'm gonna look it up because it's that good of a movie so give please me say there. time cop please say time cop please say time cop please say time cop is it about time about time i think that might have been it yes it's about time it's with mm, the gleason dude and rachel mcadams it's kind of a time travel movie and it's also gleason, kind of dude. uh dom hall i don't know how to say it is it dom hall gleason dom hall gleason yeah dom hall gleason and uh bill nye and uh, rachel mcadams it's an excellent uh, excellent movie, dude. Uh, you should check okay. it if you haven't. It's great. It's, it's one for one for the like a date night or something. Dude, this was perfect with your wife. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to watch this, Lynn. It's billed as a drama slash fantasy, so it's definitely can hit both. But it, uh, Lynn started watching it. I was not interested at all, and I dropped everything and finished it. And I was very very. Um, Are you working it. in a second flick pick? I totally this am. Episode? Totally. Good this for is you, for, man. Hey, look, this like is it. for me to you, dude. Watch this movie. I'm t- I don't tell okay. you too many of them. This is one you'll like with your wife for sure. It's a good one. Okay, sounds um, good. Yeah, it's good. All right. Thanks let me, for the recommend. Let me give you my would you rather. It, it, it goes along the, the lines of what we're talking about here. It has some time travel elements that really make you think, do, am I willing to give up what I have now to see something different, you know, type deal, right? Right. Okay. Uh, my would you rather. Okay. If you could be in a movie, if you could be an actor in a movie, okay, here's your two okay. choices. You could be on a set, like a miniature set. I love miniatures. You know, I like the Star Wars where they have the like one third scale models of everything. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you know, got, I see like George Lucas towering over yeah, the Death yeah. Star. Or Godzilla, right? You get the cool cityscape and you could be Godzilla and smash around in the miniatures. Would you rather do that or be more like, honey, I shrunk the kids and have like a humongous dustpan and a humongous broom next to you and the big floorboards with the huge oversized nails and screws laying around? If you could do either or, what would be more fun to you? 
the honey I shrunk the kids ones definitely be tiny rather than being big. It's so rare. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes that movie so special. I mean, first off, they did a really good job. There's a couple movies, uh, the Lily Tomlin one. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of movies with miniature people, but to me, it's just it's not as predominant as the the miniatures that have been used. So I would rather do the I'm small in a big world. I agree. I'm with you on that too. Cool, man. Good questions. Uh, schlock or not? Um, no way is this schlock. Uh, it's TV history that needs to be preserved in a museum for future generations. I agree. It's not schlock. This is some very, very quality TV, especially for the years it was on. I mean, it did some quality stuff and should be watched. And it's streaming on Netflix. Yep. It's right now. I mean, who doesn't have Netflix? Just watch it. It's great. Check it out, man. Yep. Yeah. Flick pick. I'm going to say the Twilight Zone movie. It's the only exposure of Twilight Zone besides the rides. I, of course, knew the history of it. I knew Rod Serling. Uh, but this is the only exposure I had up to this point. Um, did you realize that that movie was directed? It's an anthology movie. Directed by Joe Dante, John Landis, George Miller of Mad Max fame, wow. and Steven Spielberg. Wow, dude. What a what a uh, powerhouse. Have you ever seen it before? Yeah, yeah I've seen it. I liked it. It's been a while. I'm, I'm due for a rewatch. A fun fact. Um, I, there's a lot of little things about that movie. Um, the Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd intro at the beginning... Where he says, like, do you want to see something really scary? Mm-hmm. And he turns his, turns around and comes back as, like, a demon or something? Mm-hmm. That terrified me as a kid. I mean, it horrified me. I mean, to the point where I would, like, grimace and look away from it. I was, I was so scared of it. And so what I did was, uh, because I wanted to watch horror movies so bad, I would put it in on the VHS tape and I would pause it at that scene and sit and stare at that face until I was comfortable with you it. You desensitized yourself? Yeah, I was Exposure like, I'm therapy. not going to be afraid of this. I'm, I, I like the feeling of being afraid of something, but I'm not going to let it control my life to where I can't uh, do it. I can't watch it by myself or I can't do it at night. I want to be able to consume horror movies all the time, every day. So I sat and stared at that face until it didn't scare me anymore. And I would do that with a lot of things like The Exorcist and stuff just so I could confront my fears. And that was part of why I liked horror is because – it scared me, and I was able to defeat it to where it didn't scare me anymore. It gave you a goal and a purpose, and something you could you could uh, you could accomplish, right? Uh, yeah. Something that you could, that, like I said, ex- exposure therapy is what you did to yeah. get there. That's pretty. And cool, you man. know, you know about the Vic Morrow accident from that movie as yeah, well, right? Uh, yeah, dude, that's a huge. That was so sad, man. Yeah. Um, um, Al Leong, which is our uh, Big Trouble in Little China, China schlocker knock con- connections in it. For Aaron Scatman Crothers is in it yeah. as well. You got John Lithgow. Um, Charles Hallahan, who's Norris from The Thing. I mean, the the list of great talent associated with that movie goes on and on and on. And I think I I want to go buy that on DVD right now. Yeah, the total due do for a rewatch. I'm in on that. Cool. All right, my flick pick is something I've recommended before, but I don't care because it ties in perfectly to what we're doing. Black Mirror on Netflix. You said you wanted some smart uh, TV, all of the Twilight Zone. Black Mirror is uh, scratching that itch. It just came out okay. with the third season. And this one I haven't seen. I've seen season one and two. They were both stellar. The third season, I believe, is not with British actors. It's supposed to be uh, American. I'm looking forward to watching it. And if you haven't watched any Black Mirror, Doc, you got to get on that. It's it's this, but uh, modern times. Okay. I'm going to do that. Next episode teaser, we got 1994's Night of the Demons 2. Let me write this oh, down Oh, boy. We've done Night of the Demons. It was like our fourth? Was it like our fourth? Fourth or fifth episode. It's really know. early. Real early. Uh Real early shock or not. And uh, I think it would be fun to do one a year because we had so much fun with that one. Absolutely. We, we both haven't seen it, too. Is that? I have not seen it. Okay, good. Going with our theme for the year. 
Okay, and I got a call from the schlock line for you here. Where is it? Here we go. If you want to experience something truly amazing, listen to the Schlock or Not episodes on half speed. It sounds like Doc and Steve are plastered, and it's fucking hilarious. Start with Beastmaster. It's un- <laughs> unreal. It's amazing. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the F-bomb. Now we <laughs> got two, two much, F-bombs sir. when we tried not to. Great. <laughs> so... What I did was I went and took a cut of us from Beastmaster because I wanted to hear what he was talking about. And, dude, I laughed and Lynn laughed. And this this goes – this is like a 30 or 40-second cut. I'm going to play it. But when I took it, it was 20 seconds. I just keep my cuts about 20 seconds. But I, I since I'm an idiot, I didn't understand that when I put it at half speed, it would be like closer to 40 seconds. <laughs> but if you want a taste of what Aaron's talking about, um, I give you this. They don't even – they don't even no. talk. They don't say anything. Nope. But I will notice that they're easily pushed over by horses. That is true. I mean, every time a horse would run by, an old person like the wind from the horse would knock him over. Even uh, I think a dar got knocked down that way at some point. Yeah, I liked the, the way they... Um, I'm really impressed. I have... Uh, I'm not now. I'm not scared of horses. I just kind of respect horses because they're. I haven't been around too much, and they're so powerful and big. <laughs> so um, I agree. I think Aaron's onto something. That was fairly entertaining. <laughs> so. That is why I want the schlock line because that you just call in and say that. And so, it made the whole show. Oh my god, I'm crying. A couple, a couple of tidbits about that. Um, I had to spend nine dollars to make that happen because I couldn't find a slowdown app that would work on my recorder. <laughs> but it was the best nine dollars I spent this week. That That's I can tell really, you. Um, hell, hell, I'll throw you ten, a ten spot right now. Do every <laughs> um, show. Also, thank you, Aaron. That was awesome. I'm gonna label that drunk doc, and I'm gonna try to throw more of those in when I find a funny, um, stupid things we've said. <laughs> Why uh, is it always me? Well, drunk you doc sound sounds better. Too. I haven't. I'm not scared of them. More like it sounds like. T- well, and that's my third tidbit is when I was playing that and laughing. Uh, Lynn was walking through, and she was she walked by, and she looked at me, and I'm laughing, and she makes that face that I'm sure your wife makes when we're doing stuff, and she said. Uh, I think I got contact high just walking by that, walking by hearing that. She said we sounded like two stoners discussing uh, something stupid in a basement, horses. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, Aaron, thanks, Aaron. Th- thanks for that, Aaron. That was really good, dude. Uh, I also have a mission statement from Pete, but it's not pertaining to the Twilight Zone. It's pertaining to the Sinful Dwarf, our last show. Perfect. Schlocker nuts are our friends traveling us through the cinematic universe in a rocket ship field with boiling water and bleach. And I still never ever be able to get all that filth of that movie wiped away clean. <laughs> Pete was Pete. not a big fan of the sinful tour. So yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Bring me more of that filthy shit. Right, I'll watch that um, all day. I got here. Thanks, I got, Pete. That was awesome. I got some uh, stuff for the end. So do you want to do thanks and everything? And then I'll, I'll do our contact info and stuff. Sure. I want to thank all of our listeners, our friends, our amazing, uh, our amazing, wow, our amazing Patreon supporters, um, Twitter friends and followers at Born Scared at Justin Norman fifty one fifty, and an extra special groovy shout out to an awesome Schlocker Night contributor at Sheena six five five three two one. We came to her seeking guidance. Uh, she was kind of like our Twilight Zone Sherpa for me. Uh, she did not disappoint at all. She had great input, knowledge. We can't thank you enough for it. 
So uh, we hope you enjoyed the show, especially Colin. If you want to comment, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely, so. and if you want to be super cool like Sheena and Pete and Aaron, you can contact us at the Schlock. Oh, geez, that's bad. You can contact us at schlockernot at gmail.com. You can visit the website steve52.com. All our links are there: Facebook, Twitter, you name it. And if you got uh, fifty cents worth of entertainment out of today's show, you're in luck because you can support us for as little as one dollar a month. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash steve52 or right straight through our website. Uh, there's shirts available, and I just put up a new one for Big Will. If you're interested, take a peek. Uh, Which can, is a, a great shirt, great cause, man. I'm glad you're already selling them. So Thanks. I appreciate that. And any of you guys that know Big Will from the early days, uh, you know, definitely give it a give it a look-ski. Um, you can call the Schlock line, which is what Pete and Aaron did. That's at 209-STEVE-52. And I think that's it, Doc. You good? I'll take that as a yes, uh, and I'll play us out. I'm good. Well, it looks like this boob tube thing went over a slicker than snot on a goat's glass eye. Stay tuned to see how these schlockernaut boys handle the next pickle. <laughs> Freaking pickle handlers. Welcome, everybody, to episode 33 of Schlockernaut, where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of TV shows, to include classic cult and television series that have become movies. Schlockernauts are our friends traveling us with the... Do the I'm going to do that again. Schlockernauts are our friends traveling us with the, through the cinematic universe... With the rocket ship fueled by. Hmm. Shit. I don't know. How about boiling hot water? And. God. I'm gonna have to do it again. I'll call you back.